Okay, this is episode two. The Dose. The Dose of the Movie Blues podcast with uh, Dan, and I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. And uh, this is The Pod. Um, We uh, last week talked about a terrible movie. This week I think we are going to again talk about (laughs) a terrible movie, except this one I don't think I enjoyed quite as much. This one uh, made me really sad. I have a whole bunch of feelings about this movie. This one I don't know any of them are as clear-cut as sadness. I think what we need to get out of the way before any introductions or anything today is that Dan is from New Jersey. I am. So I'm, I'm from Central Jersey, in fact. Him and, him and Kevin Smith have drank the same poison water all their lives, and probably uh, it has connected the two of them in ways we have well, yet to understand. Now everyone knows we're doing a Kevin Smith movie. Oh, wait, we announced it we last announced week. We announced it last week. Yeah. Thanks for listening to last week's podcast, Dan. Um, now available on <laughs> iTunes um, and other platforms. Okay, so today uh, we're going to start with a little discussion um, about what we're currently watching, because... Um, feel like because uh, i can actually participate this time because i'm not stoned <laughs> yeah dan is more sober this time i'm might be slightly less but i'm um, gonna try <laughs> to remain uh as the I, host I was here. truly terrified last week yeah you I would think, think i'd never spoken to people before yeah uh i would agree i felt was, extremely out of my element but i that's a good thing you know we're uh as if i hadn't been on stage singing into a microphone before in my life or speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if the two of us... You were like, hi. I was like, wait, who? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's easy to go blank in these situations, but uh, we're going to try to fill your ear holes with things other than us clamoring um, non-soberly over uh, different words. So Netanyahu was so, re-elected. Yeah. So picking up from last week, uh, Israel cast. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, we're going to start today with a little talk about what we are currently into. Um I think I'll kick it off by asking you, Dan, have you been watching anything that you have been either enjoying or hating that you would like to talk about? Like specifically movies, I assume? Uh, no, it's, uh, I'd say TV is fair game. TV, This is the golden age of TV, so everybody is making content that in many ways is better than most of the movies I've seen. Definitely better than uh, either of the movies we've watched on yeah. this podcast, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could take it in the TV category. I actually um, think I only have TV shows to talk about. I don't I don't watch a ton of television to be honest. Well, this um, is perfect. Then. If you're if you're like what I've watched in the last week would be MASH. Okay. <laughs> is that like MASH reruns or I watch like it on a... Hulu. It's the only reason I own Hulu really. Um, I did Really stupid question because I know they're not making MASH yeah. anymore, but I mean like are they what are they playing it on is what I'm saying. Like it's on Hulu? Yeah, yeah. Um so actually the reason I bought Hulu Two years ago was because they announced Smash was coming to it, and then it proceeded wow. to not come out until a year ago. That's or, the kind or of a few months sad ago. note that an old man would kind of leave behind uh, <laughs> with an empty house and one TV in the corner. But yeah, I mean, it's really I just got Hulu I just to get into Mash. <laughs> yeah, it's just that I like the theme song. Okay, um, I um, watch. I've watched some Frasier recently. Oh my god, I can't get um, enough Frasier. Yeah, they're bringing uh, Frasier back. I heard that. That I'm weary. There's of. a picture of um, uh, what's his name. Who plays Frasier? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer holding a script that said Frasier on it. Yeah, really? Um, I can't get enough Roz. I, I think it would be a little sad because the dad is not around, but that might be a good catalyst uh, for kind of like the Roseanne show where it's like... Where you know, Frasier becomes racist and gets fired. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where Frasier takes Ambien and tweets uh, <laughs> at three in the morning. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I also had a huge cross, crush on Roz. Uh, I think as a podcaster, I also really appreciated her radio voice. She had like one yeah. of the most sensual voices uh, oh, yeah. like ever. I as mean, a podcaster, have you heard uh, the podcast Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs? 
Is that real? That's yeah. A, here's, is, is here's, that an here's the tie into this week. Is that, is that an this is, pod? This is this is a Kevin Smith podcast of him and Matt Myra from the Nerdist dissecting each Frasier episode one by one. Kevin Smith did yeah. that. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, they do they go through the whole series? They made it about a season in, two Ugh. seasons in, but they had I mean, like that's a lot. Like there's a lot of uh, what's her face who played Roz Gilpin. Someone? Gil, uh, ter- or Terry Terry Gilpin. No. no. I'm making that up. That Mrs. Like Gilpin. Miss Miss Gilpin. Miss Gilpin was a guest on it several times. Um, just you know, Fraser throwback stories. Hmm. Um, in terms of what, what our I, listeners are waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I did watch this week was Citizen Kane, inspired by last week. You really mentioning that you hadn't met, watched Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. I determined the cat had never seen Citizen oh, wow. Kane, so I was like, "We're gonna watch this." So, what did she think about it? Um, you know. So, I probably... Do you guys watch, like, old movies often? Is that... Because with Rachel, I feel like uh, it's tough to go back and watch, especially anything pre-80s, because the effects, the cinematography... I mean, it's it's tougher to get her into it. Um, I, I just find that things that are dated uh, are, are kind of rougher for a casual uh, viewer. No, than... She's pretty open to it. I mean, I don't... the Like... It's rare that I sit down anymore to just watch a new movie. Most of the time, I'm watching my favorite older movies. Right. Um, so, like, I'd rather watch, like, you know, she sat through Doctor Strangelove countless times because mm-hmm. that's my go-to movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, there's kind of a groundwork for that. Um, she said she really enjoyed it, but I definitely hyped it up too much by being like, oh, commonly considered the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, that's and kind she, of a tough and she was like, gauntlet fuck, to yeah, throw Yeah, she down. was like, fuck that slut. Hmm. Yeah. She was not into the sled. No, and I, I gotta say, what did you think on this rewatch? What it was it the first you? time I watched it in probably like ten, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I watched it was probably in the height of like my film fascination and like my egotistic, like artsy, like I'm 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 getting into like rogue cinema video. Sure. Where I need to like Citizen Kane. Yeah. And, you know, I, I very much enjoyed myself, but it definitely didn't impact me the way it did when I was younger. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's because I knew the sled was coming. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't seen it uh, in many, many years. I saw it in pieces, and I know the twist, but... It just I, the performances in it are so unbelievable for a movie yeah, made in 1941. I'm not really one of those people that's like, if I know the twist of something, I can't appreciate it. I think that... Um, uh, there's plenty of things I've been clued in on beforehand and kind of can view it through its own special lens as I'm watching it. Have even you seen like, any other Orson Welles movies? Well, I just uh, recently watched the documentary about Orson Welles' yeah, final movie. The, um, you'll, you'll love me when I'm dead or whatever. Yeah, uh, it was about it was a documentary about him about trying his to make his last movie. picture. Yeah, I watched that. And then they simultaneously released, they released his that last movie, picture. which I'm super weary to watch because it was all restored from like random well, bullshit. Maybe we'll have to watch that. In one yeah, episode. I, yeah, maybe because not. I did enjoy the setup for it, but uh, I'm not have sure. You ever if seen I'm Touch doing. of Evil? Uh, no, I haven't Oh, man, all right. Maybe you should have brought that today. Yeah, well, now I know for next time. Dude, Pachiba um, has the greatest intro scene of all time. I think uh, we'll have to explore that and many other Orson Welles things as we go on. Because... Welcome to your grandpa's favorite movie. Yes. <laughs> for anyone still awake out there, we're talking about Orson Welles. <laughs> um, so I recently I've been watching just more like TV. I only have like an hour or so a night uh, to really get into anything anymore, so... TV's kind of been doing it for me. I'm, I'm spread across a few shows now uh, that vary in quality. Um, in terms of comedy, I've been watching a show called What We Do in the Shadows. Um, oh, I've seen that show. It's uh, the Australian show. 
Uh, it's uh, based on a movie from New Zealand made by Taika Waititi. Yeah. who's the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, he starred in the original movie with Jermaine Clement. Yeah, sorry, I've seen Flight the movie. The I haven't seen. I didn't even know there was a show. The movie is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hilarious. I would recommend it to any uh, ho- uh horror or comedy fan. It's one of the best horror comedies besides Shaun of the Dead, stuff like that. I would say it's up there. Cabin uh, in the Woods. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's up there in that pantheon of material. Um, the show is kind of like the same thing as the movie, but with different actors. Uh, it's The first episode was written by uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, who are the executive producers. It's hilarious. Uh, it's a really good show. It takes place in Staten Island. Um, it's about three vampires. That live in Staten Island. Also, one of my favorite comedic actors, Mark Proach, uh, who's in a lot of Tim and Eric stuff, plays an energy vampire, which is a new kind of vampire to the series. Uh, basically, he just goes around talking to people until they fall asleep, and that's his vampire power. He sucks right. the energy out of people and feeds on it by boring them to death, which is a dual uh, purpose of this podcast right now so far. <laughs> so you know um, how they, they rate um, actors in terms of like A-list, B-list, yeah. C-list? On what scale where on the scale would you call someone who would be described as of tim and eric fame it depends because some of the people they brought into that besides show, john c Riley, some of the people they brought into that show were a-list actors john c Riley, jeff goldblum um but they're they, not of tim and eric they're fame. not of tim and eric tim and eric your tried go-to to, with this dude was like you know he's been on tim and eric tangentially yeah i mean he yeah, he's i the first time i'd seen him he was on that but then he was on better call saul which i'll i'll rep that too um uh my family has a really specific connection to breaking bad my uncle is actually the executive producer of breaking bad and better call saul what? um our families are kind of estranged so for many years my parents were kind of like trying to get me not to watch breaking bad is that how that that dj show happened with the blue meth in new york where no right. no unrelated <laughs> is, is, is harrison hooked up with uh, no harrison does not have a blue meth dealer through my uncle but um i finally got into breaking bad and i love better call saul it's a great companion series it's actually extremely similar in its structure and execution to most breaking bad episodes so i don't feel that way at all you don't feel that way no uh, I mean, it started... This isn't the Breaking Bad podcast, though. That's been done. Oh, you don't like Breaking Bad? Is no, that... I love Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, I feel to be the second best show ever. Better Call Saul, I think, picked up a lot of momentum as it went on. I'm in the third it, season it of it. It's really good. It was just a fucking chore to sit through. I, yeah, I, it's I, a little I, tougher. I made it through the first two seasons. It's and a little the slower. Two, the second season picked up a little bit, but God, I was crawling out of my skin during the first season. It was one of those shows where I would just fall asleep yeah, and have it, to start it, the episode over the next it's, day. It's definitely uh, not as like explosive, but um, they've been building up threads in it that are like kind of the powder keg feeling that you got watching Breaking Bad. Whatever. I mean, it's an investment I just like that Bob show. Odenkirk has such a good career these days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for him, uh, especially considering all the minor stuff he had done that yeah. and I mean, here Mr. we go Mr. Show was... he's another person that was on tim and eric constantly um, was he yeah i hate um, tim and eric i love tim and eric but this is not the tim so, and eric sorry cast. to everyone from pennsylvania yeah uh tim and eric's two of my kind of idols that i look up to in terms of changing the the way that comedy is viewed and distributed um but uh we'll get into that on the tim and eric cast which is at uh, 9 p.m tonight yeah following Star what if Trek they're Voyager. listening to this podcast at 9 p.m you're just going to confuse them <laughs> you keep um, treating this like we're on the radio and uh, i've had enough <laughs> if you'd like to call in <laughs> dan's cell phone number is um <laughs> so uh, i've been watching those things i've been enjoying them uh something i have not been enjoying that i've been watching is star trek discovery um 
I had an interesting conversation with my mm. uncle about that at Passover. Star Trek Discovery is like if Jackson Pollock uh, wrote a Star Trek series. It's just a bunch of splatter all over a canvas. Yeah. It, it is uh, an explosion of plot, ideas, and character, uh, all misguided, all sent in directions that I think are absurd, that break Star Trek canon. Um, I know a lot of people complained about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies uh, breaking canon and kind of double backing uh, on the foundations of Star Trek. This show is like putting a nuclear bomb into something you love. This would be like um, if you saw The Last Jedi and halfway through it, um, Mark Hamill came out and uh, said to Ray, I'm also like a multi-gendered, time-traveling, like multi-sexual pansexual weirdo that like is from 14 different planets and 14 different time periods. I mean, everything they that, do in Star Trek that, that Discovery... That wouldn't impact me at all. Everything they do in Star Trek Discovery... That would still be better than what happened during The Last Jedi. <laughs> We're going to get to that, actually, by the end of this episode, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but uh, everything they do in Star Trek Discovery is just like diversity squared. It's it's the most politically correct bonkers. And like I know that the idea of Star Trek from yeah. Roddenberry was to create this kind of even-keeled, culturally acceptable, multi-ethnic... First ever ever biracial kiss on on screen. This is taking that to an unbelievable low. I mean, I just think that... uh, I don't know. When people complain about, like, SJW, like, social warrior-type TV and movies and stuff like that, like, I don't see it in Star Wars. Like, everybody complained about Rey. I never really saw that as a feminist. because people hate women. Um... Just to put it in context for you, Star Trek Discovery's main character is an African-American female named Michael, who is half Vulcan and is Spock's sister. Okay. Uh, I think I could just leave it at that, but... um, Are you ready for bomb number one of the episode? Whoa, what? I've never seen a single episode of any Star Trek or a single Star Trek movie. (sighs) I mean, I I feel like to not see any Star Trek at any level... Like, you would have to go out of your way. Like, you would have to, like, someone would throw a Star Trek at you and you'd literally duck. You want to know how it gets even more out of my way? Yeah. My uncle is, my mom's brother, is, like, one of the highest, most respected members of the Star Trek community. What was he, it? He, uh, Rich Ampel. He, mm. uh, he's translated Klingon. Mm. His, his girlfriend is actually the person who wrote the Russian Klingon dictionary. What? Um... He, you can look on up on YouTube and see him on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart being interviewed in full Klingon garb. And, and this is who do you This against? is my uncle. This is my mom's brother. Well... I just saw him this past weekend. We have a future interview coming up on this podcast with uh, your uncle. He would love that. He'd we, be, he'd, he would come on and be like, look, he doesn't like Star Trek. My uncle created Breaking Bad. Yours created a Klingon dictionary. Yeah. Obviously, yours is more interesting than mine, so I would love <laughs> to speak to this man. Uh, that's the peak of my interest. He's the most interesting person I've ever met. Um... One more thing. Works I would, for Microsoft. He works for Microsoft. Too, or he huh? worked for Microsoft. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. He's a big baller. Um, Dan's uncle podcast. Yeah, on I was going to say, welcome to Family Tree Podcast. Uh, Dan's uncle, if you'd like to call in, we are live yeah. now. We have people waiting to answer. Yeah. Um, one more thing I'm watching right now that uh, I'm going to recommend that this is like a no-brainer because I'm sure everybody is either watching the show or enjoys it. But the reason I'm going to recommend it is, I think, based on this kind of the SJW stuff that I was just talking about, where, like, I'm very susceptible to uh, seeing through things for what they're trying to be in a social way. Like, if someone creates a piece of media that's meant to, you know, elicit emotion for this or that, 
I, I don't like that kind of stuff. Like, it's kind of like Spielberg stuff where they're ploying at your emotions and it's easy and, and it's blah, like blah, a, blah. It's like uh, emotionally manipulative. Emotionally manipulative. That's the uh, phrase that I'm like looking for. Like the entirety for. of This Is Us. Um, one show this that is I us. think is probably the emo- most emotional, most painful show to watch I could really ever imagine without making me feel Keeping like... Keeping in mind that you haven't seen This Is Us. Yes. Okay, but I assume that This Is Us is manipulation at its finest. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They're, they're twisting your strings on yeah. purpose. Um, I, I cry before the intro credits each episode. Yeah, I mean, if you're crying before the show starts, <laughs> that's how you know you're... I'm crying because I'm about to sit through another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I cackled what a, what a, what a, what a fucking the... hack joke that just was. Yeah, um, we'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> uh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale is one of those shows that I didn't really originally think that I could get into. Um, I am absolutely done to death on any kind of apocalypse scenario show. Okay. Um, the Walking Dead, I would say, cemented forever for me uh, that I have no interest in the apocalypse. I feel like there's a difference between an apocalypse and like a dystopian future. There is, but not from uh, a media perspective these days. Right. Like, I'll give you an example, right? Like, um, the Purge movies. The Purge movies are, that is a dystopian future, but it's presented essentially like an apocalypse. So that, it's like The Walking Dead. They're like, you know... The Purge wasn't a documentary. It's, well, it, it's a soon-to-be realization, I'm sure, sometime in our future. But, um, no, it was not a documentary. I'm sorry to blow your mind on that. Do you need to pause and think about it for a while? No. I, the Purge... Never mind. Let's not talk about the. Purge. Let's not talk about the. Purge. What a colossal but piece of shit. Handmaid's that is. That's Tale. That's all I have to say about the. Purge. Handmaid's Tale is uh, not only excellent, but it has found ways to shock and mortify me. Yeah. Still, in I'm, I'm in the second season now, and um, I I really find myself revolted and like blown away by the depths that that show can drop into, without feeling like they're, you know, clawing at feminist ideals to spread all over the place, without feeling like they're trying to openly bash Trump or openly bash any kind of specific ideal other than, you know, control of gender, control of the masses. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty faithful to the book. I have not read the book, um, but I know... From my the, understanding. I know let's, the let's author not put the anyone book, under the illusion that I've read the book. The author of the book is now writing a sequel uh, 20 or 30 years after the original publication. That always goes well when the television series is on at the same time. Yeah, that goes well. Um, Game of Thrones, shout out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sunday um, nights at 9 p.m. Sunday nights at 9 p.m., right as this podcast is going live. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, are you watching anything else right now you wanted to talk about in particular? Anything uh, rubbing you the right or wrong way? We're watching The Wire. Yeah, I had trouble getting into that show so, a few times now. You know, The Wire is a show that's very widely lauded. Um, in, yeah. in college, we started watching it together. Um, I made it through a season. Um, it, it was one of those things I kept falling asleep during, but I, I didn't dislike it, but I, I wasn't really getting it. And then we started rewatching it about a year ago, and I was fucking riveted. And I very, I very much enjoy it. But it's not a show that when I finish any episode, I want to watch the next episode. So I've been, mm. s- we've been chipping away at it for a solid year and a half at this point. We just finished season three, and it was great. Um, it, it, the, every episode was edge of my seat, awesome. But season two was just such a fucking chore to get through that mm. I was like, I can't sit through this anymore. Well, in case anybody was wondering, uh, we are recommending the TV show The Wire. Yeah, um, it, it, it's kind of it, it's, it's like kind of it. underground. Um, you might have to seek it out. 
but you you know it's one of those things that, like if you have a friend with an older brother he might have right. like a bootleg copy laying if around if somebody could slip you a copy of yeah, the wire yeah. you should let it happen because yeah. it's 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 an undiscovered gem welcome to the movie blues discussing the wire and mash <laughs> i also highly recommend mash you mm. made fun of me but you know people are I mean, I, go, I, they don't I, they don't know what's good with mash i love that alan alda straight fire mm. dude it is hilarious and super dark super dark humor and I really like it because about a hundred episodes into the show, it switches from like a sitcom to like a very intense war drama, which is really weird. What? And they're just like, "Fuck the viewers." Was there a Mash movie? It's, That's yeah. what started, right? Yeah, there was yeah, a movie it, first. Yeah, the movie was first. Is the movie like considerably better than the show, or no, is it just kind of exactly no. the same? No, no, the, the show is substantially better. Interesting. Yeah. And that's because of like long-standing character development. Yeah, the, the character development in that show is unbelievable. Okay, we're going to take a pause from MASHcast and head on to our next segment, uh, which, as uh, we decided last week, was called Dan's Have Never Seen. Yeah, Dan's Never Seen. Um, or Dan's apostrophe S apostrophe have never seen. Yeah. Dan's is... It's, it's like a plural possessive Dan's thing. Is, we haven't decided yet, yeah. but we haven't seen something, and we are going <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, this week, our film is Yoga Hosers. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, heading to our first segment here. This is Dan's Have Never Seen. Uh, today's film, in huge quotation marks, is uh, Yoga Hosers. Yeah, which, for that musical cue, you could start with the metal Hava Nagila that the movie yes. started with. Yeah, um, this movie is full of music that is detestable <laughs> on seriously every level. Um, I would say even reprehensible. We're going to get into why that is uh, a million times over. But um, in the background, you're hearing right now some of the trash music uh, that they uh, either play or lip sync or pre-recorded and then made us watch. I mean, it's like a mix between a music video yeah. and a car and accident. And fucking kitty porn snuff film. Yeah, I would rather be deaf and blind than watch this movie again. It but, hurts uh, me to feel this way about a Kevin Smith film. So, uh, first we're going to kick into just a general talk about Kevin Smith um, as a director. I'm going to go first because I think I have a lot less to say about it uh, whereas uh, I would say should, Dan, we, should we start with where the, this movie came from like well yeah okay. just the, just so people like know what the movie we just watched is you know Kevin Smith um, has been getting kind of experimental since his view <laughs> yes. I'm trying to give him some credit here. Let me let me try to butter him yeah. up before you take him He's down. in his cubism phase. Um, he, yeah, this is his cubism <laughs> phase. Uh, it's very abstract. Um, Kevin Smith um, kind of has his own universe of movies that he's made. There's Mallrats and Chasing Amy. Obviously, all of this started with Clerks, which was, you know, lauded as this low-budget comedy miracle um, back in the 90s. Uh, it really launched the careers of... Many different people, Kevin Smith, including the Weinsteins, uh, more on that later. And um, uh, Kevin Smith really was one of those auteurs, I would use the word definitely, from the 90s, who is with uh, the ranks of Quentin Tarantino and people Link like later. that. Who were, yeah, Linklater, who were tapping into kind of the verve and the feeling of uh, kids and teens and adults and kind of had this very slacker comedy slacker comedy but he had a very uh fresh perspective on it i would say that a lot of his films still hold up today um some of them sadly do not in many of their various uh faults um but for me 
Um, I'll always appreciate Kevin Smith uh, because uh, the first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Wow. I saw it with my brother before he became an Orthodox rabbi. So that was actually one of the few movies I ever saw in theaters with my brother that I, <laughs> that I can remember. Um, That's a good one. And I love that movie. I felt like that was a great culmination you, to a lot of Kevin Smith's work. Um, do you remember though, what the, fir- the first rated R movie you saw in the theater was? That's that was always, it. That, that was that the was absolute it. first one. That's first, such a seminal moment The in your first life. PG movie I ever saw was the Mario Brothers movie, and the first R movie <laughs> I ever saw was Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And I do remember at the time there being many articles and stuff out that it had the most curse words yeah. most f words yeah. at the time I mean, it starts with the whole fuck yeah fuck fuck mother mother fuck. yeah yeah, yeah everyone like, everyone knows we don't, we don't have to, to do it we, we could play the clip but yeah, or fine. we could do it ourselves yeah, we all heard it we all know it's, the song. it's good um actually what's funny is uh everyone knows the song but jay muse i don't know if you saw the clip recently of jay of jay and silent bob um they were making the new movie jay and silent bob reboot yeah. and they brought back the two kids yeah, yeah sing I saw that. I fuck, saw fuck mother mother fuck yeah and they go to uh jay and they're like all right sing the song and you didn't remember any that's other. hilarious and everybody else was like we all know yeah, this well, song he was by also heart. fucking going back and slamming yeah, oc80s yeah. back he was on a lot of drugs yeah um but uh so yeah my feelings on kevin smith are that i welcome think to that oxycast yeah welcome to oxycast <laughs> Uh, for your rehab pleasure, um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to kick the mule. Uh, um, so, ripped for your halfway house. Yeah, ripped for your halfway house. Let's put that on there. That'll be our first T-shirt, I think. Yeah, ripped I'm feeling for that. Your halfway I'm house. super feeling that. Um, so Kevin Smith, I think. Uh, is Wear that to Passover dinner. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go this year, but anyway. Um, uh, Kevin Smith, I think, is a director who varies in quality. I think that he had a very good cultural impact and then kind of lost his way. What would if, you call his worst film? Yoga hosers notwithstanding. Mm. Worst film. And I guess don't count Cop Out either, because... Yeah, I mean, I won't count anything that he did after, let's say, Jane Silent Bob He didn't write Cop Out. They just handed him that piece of shit. I would say my favorite movie that he did was definitely Dogma. Same, Um, same. And I will say... It's a little bit dated, but I know you're not going to like this. It's so funny you said that, because Dogma is extremely dated. Um, and, And... uh, it's a shame because it, that was Kevin Smith doing what I think he tried to do in this movie in some regards, where it was the creature feature, it had horror elements, it had comedy elements. He was kind of drawing from a lot of different um, baskets when he made Dogma, and I think that it worked really successfully. I think that... Matt Damon's performance in that movie is amazing. Yeah, Damon and Affleck are great, and I think George Carlin is fantastic uh, yeah. in it, and it's great to have you know any movie with George Carlin in it. Linda Fiorentino. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... And and I had a huge. I'm, crush just, on, I'm not giving an opinion. A, I'm just listing the cast of. Uh, no, I had a huge Salma crush. Hayek was also in that movie. I had a huge crush on Lynn Florentino, like even more than Salma Hayek. In really, I had a huge crush. What other movie was she in? That uh, Linda Florentino. She was in another movie from that period of time. Oh, Men in Black. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Uh, uh, Will Smith's like. Wasn't she also interest. in Memento? Oh my God, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm gonna look it up. Dan's looking up whether Linda Fiorentino was in Memento, but um, she was like part of this like troupe of female actors from the late '90s who I thought were just like irresistible. These, so like, Linda Fiorentino is indeed not in Memento. Not in Memento. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she was in Vision Quest. She was in Vision Quest. No, her her career's kind of hit the skids. But um, I heard she's like a fucking nightmare to work with. That's why. Um, I wouldn't know, but um, she sure is cute, and uh, I do like Dogma. <laughs> but you can, but listen, listen. I mean, listen. Building on what you just said, I think when you watch Dogma, you can see how vi- how uh, visually annoyed she is. She is annoyed. Oh, yeah. 
She's annoying. She and Kevin were not getting along. I mean, if you listen to one of the many Dogma commentary tracks, yes, okay, just they so do nothing knows, but shit on Linda Fiorentino. Dan has listened to every commentary track, probably in Kevin Smith view askew history, right? Like you, you listen to all the commentaries on all these DVDs. I have. Okay. I have. Um, I I think I I think I explored the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back DVD to like its nth degree at the time, but um, they have, there's that one deleted scene where Jay's like singing a song like I'm gonna finger bang her tight little ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, love that song. Uh, maybe we should play that song right now. I'm gonna finger fuck her tight little asshole. Finger bagging, teabag my balls. In her mouth, where? Where? In my mouth, where? <laughs> I had a, when, when we were younger and burning CDs was a thing, before I even had my own CD burner, I had one friend who had, had Napster, mm-hmm. and he downloaded that clip, <laughs> burnt it to a CD for me on a mix, like on a mix CD, uh-huh. and I play, I was playing the CD in the car with my parents, but I was going to just skip that track, obviously, and the CD skipped mm-hmm. and went right to that, <laughs> oh, and no. repeated with both my parents in the car, oh, and it was okay. like, I'm going to finger bang, going to finger bang, going to yeah. finger bang, and I, I was like, I, I couldn't make it fucking stop. I would not be able to survive it was what horrible. you just described, yeah. not with my family. Yeah. It, it sounds like we'd a still bit, be, but it's We'd not. still be talking about that right now. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Dogma is probably the zenith. I think that Jay and Silent Bob is the best comedy that they that he's made. Straight comedy. Yeah. That has no commentary. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a It's just it's a, a fucking farce. slapstick. It's a fucking, cartoon. It's hilarious. Um, but it's hilarious, and I think that it's got... And made... that's a movie that properly handled being self-referential. Yes. I mean, that movie uh, did everything meta correctly. It, it really is hilarious. Um, it's got a lot of great comedy actors in it. Uh, it's definitely a time capsule type movie for me of the early 2000s, which were like right. a pretty terrible time for all media in general. This is like... I don't know, man. Freddy Got Fingered came out right around there. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that movie landed this the way that everybody thought it would. But, Cheese um, sandwich. Anyway, Freddy Got Fingered cast <laughs> coming up right after this. Um, I'd say that was his best. I'd say his worst movie is probably Chasing Amy. Whoa. If you go back Whoa. with a 2019 cultural lens of understanding gender, understanding lesbianism, understanding the topics that Kevin Smith thought he was intellectually discussing in that right. movie, it's actually pretty awful. I mean, it's actually pretty... Uh, it doesn't make lesbians look good. It doesn't make straight people look good. It doesn't make Ben Affleck look good. There's that one scene where Ben Affleck and his goddamn suave goatee is like being, like being illustrated the concept of fisting to. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's one deleted scene where he goes, he goes, because she goes, that's for special occasions, and he goes, what do you do on not special occasions? Beat her over the head with a fucking bat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of priceless stuff you can enjoy if you watch the socially conscious film Chasing Amy. Um, I would say that's kind of like where he. Tried to go a little more serious, and then I think everybody kind of looked around and was like, is Kevin Smith capable of that? And then he made a cartoon to follow it up. So we're all... He followed it up with Dogma. Chasing Amy Right, okay, yeah, Dogma. I mean, in Dogma, in many ways, it's a cartoon. Yeah. I, I love Chasing Amy. The Buddy Amy. Christ stuff. And, like, the stuff in Dogma that works, works fantastically. The stuff that I thought was hilarious when I was, like, 13, now that I've rewatched it kind of in the past uh, year or two, not as funny. Like, the Poop the Monster. monster. And the the Golgothan. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that uh, works fantastically in that movie. There's stuff that doesn't, whereas the movie we're about to talk about, Yoga Hosers... <laughs> Everything works. I would say... It all lands. I would say nothing works. I would say that, um, you know, when we watched the 007 movie, I was able to locate a couple things that I enjoyed about it. Uh, this movie is one of those movies that I would really... I would have to get a fucking 
um, uh, like a telescope to find one thing I liked about yeah, it. Yeah, this movie is truly awful in all ways. I feel like, I, I as, as a reference, I should give my relationship to Kevin Smith Okay, yeah, as, as a New Jersey native. Dan's got a very storied history with Kevin yeah. Smith, so we're going to lead off with his first of two Kevin Smith interaction yeah. stories. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe we'll do the second one as we wrap up. All right. It's it's fine. They're, or they're maybe quick. they can. I was I, I was legitimately obsessed with Kevin Smith as a child. Okay. I don't know why I was allowed to watch those movies as a child. Um, the first one I saw, I stumbled upon Dogma on television. Mm-hmm. Loved it, which would have made me nine mm-hmm. at the time, as like a very religious Jewish child at the time, and it totally made me question everything about my faith and like. You know, my parents hated that for that, mm-hmm. but um, I, so f- just to give a frame of reference for how into Kevin Smith I was, I went to one of his Q&As. My dad took me when I was in eighth grade. Oh, Lord. It was in eight, it was his marathon eight hour long Q&A celebrating his 35th birthday or 30th birthday. I stood in line for four hours to ask a question. <laughs> um, went up to the microphone, the person right before me asked the question that I was going to ask. So, Which was what? Do you remember? The question I was going to ask, huh, I do remember, which is fucked up. I'm not proud to be this much. I'd, I'd say I'm an expert on Kevin Smith, which okay. isn't, isn't like a... It doesn't take much. I, I, <laughs> so the question I was going to ask was that on the Clerks 10th anniversary uh, three-disc DVD set, okay. they animated a lost scene that took place during the funeral where they knock over the casket. Really? Because um, okay. that scene was written. They just didn't have the budget well, to film like it. Was this like an animatic? Yeah. Or, no, or they, 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 they the, hired... They did it for the DVD. They used the, the same art studio that did the Clerks cartoon okay. to animate this lost scene. Okay. And I was going to ask if they... For the Blu-ray, because Blu-ray had just been announced as technology that was going to be coming out soon, and mm-hmm. Kevin had been saying he was going to make a big Blu-ray for Clerks. Interesting. Um, I was asking if they were going to since they were also filming Clerks 2 at the time, uh, if they were considering going back and filming that scene. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so... But somebody else asked that. Someone, somehow right someone asked that right before me. I mean, that is, is such a which, specific... What a bunch of fucking nerds. Wow. Yeah, and I, I was... there was more than one dork there. Which made me 14 at the time who cared enough to ask that wow. question. Yeah. So instead, the question I asked was, can I have your water bottle? Hmm... <laughs> that's the kind of embarrassing question that'll last a lifetime with you. I'm yeah. Sure oh, yeah. Never forget Hence that. why I'm saying it right now. And what was his answer? His answer was no, because it has my DNA. Oh. To which I said, fuck. Oh. And the whole Count Basie Theater died of laughter. Mm. And it was my, it was, I was peaking, dude. It was At sick. You. That was the moment where I knew I was going to be a performer. Right. And my dad You're was, like, if I can uh, lambast myself in front of this many people now, I could definitely do it yeah, in a more yeah. professional So setting. he proceeded to then give me the water bottle. Oh. Yeah. And, and where's that water bottle? Now? My mom threw it out when we moved because she <laughs> thought it was just a piece of trash and oh, was devastated. Man. Did you demarcate it in any way that she would know that it was... Uh, no, it was literally like a... It was like a, a Dasa- It was like a Dasani bottle. <laughs> in the corner of yeah, yeah. a young stoner's room. Well, it was like... It was back in the area where I would hide like my like beer mm. and my like rolling papers and let's not was... give away your best hiding spots on the pod though. yeah yeah it was in my bedroom that's my hiding spot okay so, to dan's mom who's now currently searching his room my, he's cleared it all out my mom is not listening to this <laughs> i assure you i am praying mine is not as well. so we're on the same page um, there so the other frame of reference i stood in line to have my copy of jay and silent bob dude degrassi signed by Kevin Smith, Jay Muse, and the cast of Degrassi oh at Jay and Silent Bob's 
the secret stash. I still have it right on it. It says, Dan, I love you and we love Sweeney Todd. Because we talked about Sweeney Todd because... And you enjoyed that movie? About the movie, Sweeney Todd? Are you talking about No, no, the play. I'm a big fan of the play, Sweeney Todd. And I had seen Jersey Girl, which has a big Sweeney Todd scene. Oh my God. And we discussed it. You're talking... You know, I'll tell you what I love about this podcast so far, right? Is that... Um, rarely do I talk to another person who has a web of, <laughs> of pop culture things that they can jump to where I'm totally lost. I'm like, dude, what? there's a Sweeney Todd scene in Jersey Girl. These are things that I would never know. Like, Have I you not know, seen Jersey Girl? I've seen Jersey Girl, but I would never remember that because... A widely like, panned and wonderful movie. I mean, I've pushed that one... Like a like a rank turd out of my body, so that I never. You should rewatch. It. I think you like it. it's George Carlin's best performance. I feel. Holy fuck! It's good, dude. It's good. Jersey Girl was directed by Kevin Smith. Yeah, right? written. That was the one with Jennifer Lopez. J Lo J Lo's in it for one. This scene. is the second it, it's, it's, week in a row we're talking about Jersey Girl. You keep no. Last it. year we talked about last week we talked about Gili. We also mentioned so Gili is a different movie. Is a different movie not directed by Kevin Smith. Right, but it's with. Ben Affleck and Ben J-Lo. Affleck and J Lo. But J Lo doesn't star in Jersey Girl. She's in Holy It's the fuck. same as Which one is the one where J Lo is a lesbian? That's Gili. Okay, that is the one I've seen. Yeah. Jersey no. Girl, I did not. Jersey Girl's I one that, I did not see. So just like myself. in Gangs in New York, call back to last week where Liam Neeson dies right away. Right. Jersey Girl, similarly, you think J Lo is the female lead and then she dies in the second scene. Oh my god, now she, you've ruined a movie that I never wanted to see for me. You should watch it, it's really good. It's it's like, you know, it's like a it's like a whimsical romantic comedy. Guys, we got a we got a movie heading to the front of the pack for next week, but uh, unfortunately we're already doing a terrible Kevin Smith this week, so we yeah, can't do and, two and, that, and that's and there's there aren't two Kevin terrible Kevin Smith movies. Yeah. There's only Yogos, there's yeah. Jersey, Jersey, and Jersey Cop Girl. Out. I'm going Cop Out is a Cop movie Out's that horrible. happened. Yeah, okay? but he didn't write it. Right, but he put his name on it and he directed yeah. it. And yeah. I don't care. If if Bruce Willis treated him like a baby, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sure Bruce Willis has treated everyone he's yeah. ever worked with like a baby. You got to figure out how to roll with the punches. I'm, and at the end of the day, when those jokes were made, when those scenes were shot, that was Kevin Smith. All right, it. you ready for this? My obsession with Kevin Smith can be summed up by the fact that at age 15, I went to a carnival. Hmm. I won a prize. I had the option to get any hat, and the hat that I took was a pink baseball cap that said Jersey Girl on it, not b- because I liked the movie. You know. I uh, I appreciate you really going out on a limb to embarrass yeah. yourself here because <laughs> do, you, do you still have that hat? No, no. Oh. I, um, but it's a podcast; no one knows. So right now, Dan yeah, is putting that hat on. Uh, yeah, it's actually all he's wearing. It is. It is very uh, crusty and rigid <laughs> from oh all the God. times I've used it to watch. Uh, I'm sure you sweat into the Jersey Girl hat more than any. Like, how much ejaculate would you say is inside <laughs> your Jersey oh. Girl hat at this point? A plethora. A plethora. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like a wide array of um, calcium levels, too, because right. like, it starts from, like, my teenage level where I was really, gotcha. like, robust. And now it's, right. like, when I just, like... It's like calcium. <laughs> I just cough. There's no more calcium it, it, in it. It just coughs. <laughs> it just weeps tears. It's only pre-cum now. Um, speaking of cum-rusted hats, uh, the movie we watched this week is Yoga Hosers, and let me tell you, <laughs> I'd rather lick the inside of your hat than fucking watch this movie again. Um... I would rather have a Jersey Girl tramp stamp than watch this movie. This movie was like all of your racist uncles tried to characterize millennials on film. Okay, so here's how I want to get into this movie. I want to lay the plot out for everyone so that we don't have to spend the entire time yeah. talking about it. We can't go through on, a scene-by-scene scene Yeah, the way we did a scene-by-scene scene analysis it's of this movie. It's just too ludicrous. It's, you might as well watch it if you want to hear a scene-by-scene scene analysis 
of yoga hosers, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast <laughs> because there's a, there's a wiki page for that, and and you're just embarrassing yourself. And this is a, the only Kevin Smith movie that I didn't see in the theater since I was a kid Oof. because I mean, for one, it, what, did, it saw, wasn't in theaters. You saw Tuscan but, theaters? That wasn't no, in theaters Tus- either. Tus- and neither was Red State, was it? I saw Red State in theaters. Was that in theaters? So, Red State wasn't nationally released. He did like a tour with it. He was trying to go super like indie right. filmmaker. Yeah, so I went. Like I actually funds for it. Too, yeah, right? I saw it at Radio City. Like he premiered it and like did a Q and A and shit. Um, but this I've been putting off because I heard it was so bad. Even from friends who really like Kevin Smith, I was just like, I don't know that I can do that to myself. I've been looking for an excuse to watch it. Kat stumbled across it one time, and she watched it without me, and was like, "Just don't watch it. Like, I don't want to listen to you bitch about it wow. for a while." Wow, Kat watched this before she watched you it with did. like her mom, I think. Incredible. And, and she said, "Don't watch it." And now you're making a two-hour podcast. Yeah. So I was like, "You want to watch Yoga Kat. Hosers?" And she was, she's not gonna listen to this. <laughs> There's no chance she even listened to the first one. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Now this is how you find out. Yeah. Um, you're not listening. I dare you to listen. Yeah. Cat. Yeah. Big. Dummy. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Yoga Hosers um, <laughs> is the oof, second movie in the True the great, North. No, the True North, yes. The True North. A uh, quick note about the True North trilogy in terms of name. Like, in this movie, they say the phrase True North like a hundred times. Yeah, it's, there's um, no subtlety to this film Now, whatsoever. one thing that I'm not sure if you noticed or put any brains to, uh, but... I have analyzed this movie like I'm fucking Roger Ebert. The, um... The phrase True North is in the Canadian National Anthem. Right. It's what the Canadians refer to Canada as, the True North. So Kevin Smith at one point in his career decided that he's going to start making movies that were kind of um, different in in, in the approach, in the scale, in the tone, in the theme of his usual work. Um, He started this True North trilogy with a film called Tusk which I'm sure we could do an entire episode on. We don't need to because Dan and I both really enjoy Tusk. Um, I personally found that Tusk... That movie made me nauseous, and I loved it. Yeah, and we were talking last episode about movies that kind of make you sick on purpose. Um, Like Irreversible. Yeah, like Irreversible. Um, Tusk is a film that makes you sick on purpose. The reveal in Tusk, which I'm not going to give it away, honestly, I highly recommend that you watch it. It's dark. It's it's comedy. It's also very dark hard, very graphic. That was a movie where I was like, wow, Kevin learned to learned make some, a film he learned some like, things and beyond that it's the same idea as a was movie panned, absolutely panned. i'll tell you what it is exactly like too it's exactly like the movie Hum, human centipede um, yeah but yeah. it's a good version of right right where the characters it's not are compelling camp, it's like less campy yeah it's it's, it's le- a campier premise while being less campy. human centipede was made to just illustrate what it would be like if people sewed each other to each other and shit in each other's mouths and that worked for about 10 minutes and then died tusk is a great idea uh, that is stretched they really to movie build length, to it. but they, they really do it great. It. They do it right, and there are scenes in it that are subtle. There are scenes in it that aren't overblown, aren't in your face. Um, Justin Long is the main character. I think he turns in a really nice performance. In I absolutely film. love Justin Long as um, an actor. The actor who's the antagonist in Tusk, who's also in Kill Bill One and Two, is a very yeah, famous yeah. classic Michael actor. Michael Parks. Michael Parks. This is why you are a good co-host. Um, he's also the antagonist in Red State. Yes. As well, yes, and as fantastic. well as from Dust Till Dawn. Yes, yes. He's in pretty much like a lot of the Tarantino yeah. dimension yeah. Uh, movies from the yeah. 90s. Yeah, he's and, just a fucking chilling dude. He, and just, it, he Rest in peace recently, Rest by in the peace, way. yes. He has passed away. But um, Tusk, I would say... His, I, I would his give, monologues in that movie are fucking I would give Tusk probably an 8 
eight five yeah. out of ten. Oh yeah, um, and that's in terms of like movies, not even that's in terms like, of movies. Yeah, he, that's a so we know great. that Kevin Smith can do good work. Right. We know that if applied correctly to the right thing, he can do good work. And now, this this movie Yoga is exists in the same universe, right? Because again, the this characters is a, overlap. This is a trilogy where the characters are shared. I want to note right from the header here that Yoga Hosers was such a failure that the third film in the trilogy, Moose Jaws, Jaws. Uh, I don't think is ever going to get made. If it is, it's going to be very far down the road. Yeah. I highly doubt it. And, and also, the premises from these movies came from stoned-ass Kevin Smith yes. just spitballing on a podcast. Right. And if you listen to the end of this film, if you wait all the way through the credits, they play a clip of Kevin Smith and his co-host, uh, Mosier. On their Smodcast, I think it's Scott called. Scott Moser, director of the new Grinch movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. He directed the CGI Grinch movie? Yes. God, what's that's happening That's why he's him? not producing... Uh, what's happening to him? That's why he's not producing uh, Reboot. That's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, that movie... Reboot like, is being produced by Jay Muse's wife. Wow. Yeah. Which, um, if you look at the intro credits to Yoga Hosers... It, it, I mean, it looks like that that movie is the family affair that they thought that this one would right. be. So basically, uh, I just want to knock the premise out really quick here. Um, in real life, not in this movie, um, Johnny Depp, the actor, is really good friends with Kevin Smith's family. Uh, both Johnny Depp and Kevin Smith are about the same age. They both have daughters who, in real life, are best friends. Those daughters are Harley Quinn Smith. You can't write this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those daughters in real life are Harley Quinn Smith and... What, and and uh, Johnny Depp? A little, uh, little Miss Depp. Little Miss Depp. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Lily Rose Depp, yeah. I think is her name. Uh, regardless, oof, she is not very memorable. Can in we this just film. get all the nasty things you're going to say about Harley Quinn out of the no, way? No, 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 no. I have those saved up in a special place. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, look, let me let me just blast through this. Okay, so Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter are real life best friends. In this film, they are best friends. They play two characters called the Colleen's. Yeah. Um, I'm not we're not even going to start with that yet but basically they're like the, the, the he- film, they're like the heathers they're like the heathers but for people whose brains are broken yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um uh basically long story short uh these two girls they live in canada in the movie because the true north trilogy everything takes place in right. canada um, and everyone has the most egregious Canadian yeah, but it's funny. caricature yeah. acts. Like, where Maybe they're that's like, one of the only like, hey, gags. They're like, hey, a boot, right? It might be one of the only gags that almost works in the movie, but not even. I don't um, feel that way at all. So uh, this movie is about two girls who work in a convenience store, much like in Clerks. And uh, the parents of these girls go away for the weekend. And basically what unfolds is kind of like a Gremlins plot, sort of, where the girls find out that there are these little creatures... And we're not going to go into what those creatures are yet because we have plenty to say about it. But there are little creatures that are coming up from the ground that are attacking the convenience store. The two Colleen's got a band together to fight these little creatures. They end up in an underground bunker where they fight these creatures. Uh, They win the day. That is the basic plot of it. It's kind of like if you were to zoom all the way out and cut through all of the bullshit. It's kind of like Gremlins meets like mean girls or something yeah. i mean i wouldn't even really know how to describe it yeah it's got a horror vibe that isn't very explored because yeah. and i want to make this clear up front this movie is extremely pg-13 yeah if you listen to our last podcast i definitely have an affinity towards comparisons and similes for other movies right there is nothing to compare this movie to well i was racking my brain like i, I guess gremlins in the sense that there are small creatures right but there is no fucking rhyme or reason like the fact 
that he pitched this and anyone gave him money. Like, right. it's literally like, well, you are you have the Kevin Smith brand, so, like, people like Dan Enden will watch it, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you see a lot of things at play here. You see Kevin Smith uh, trying to make a movie with his daughter, which I his find... His entire family, his whole yeah, fucking family's, his whole family's in, this movie. in it. Uh, his wife is in it, just like, I mean, she's been... We'll, we'll get to it. I, I have a list of all the fucking... Um, the Kevin Smith references I found in this movie. Yeah, it's very meta. It's very self-congratulatory. Oh, yeah. Um, it's ah. it's it's made in a way that says, you enjoy my work, I can give you anything, and you're going to enjoy it. And, it, and this really, for me, hits a point where it's very self-indulgent to a degree that makes you really hate Kevin Smith. Yeah. So I don't hate a- the girls. I think that the girls... Wanted to be in a movie. They knew that that you know Kevin Smith is a director. And, you know, Dad wants to put us in a movie. Um, I don't think they had anything to do with writing it. No. I don't think they had anything to do with the plot. I don't think they had anything to do. I would say they probably improv some of the dialogue, but some of the dialogue is most definitely written by an obese forty-year-old <laughs> man. Okay, it's written by a forty-year-old man to be spoken by his daughter, right. um, and it shows. Yeah, I mean, it the is dialogue. Wild. That they, you I, know, wait, I have one line written down. Uh, you go, go on. Kevin Smith wants to do kind of like a Juno coming of age thing. That's kind of part of the vibe here. Yeah. Where he wants uh, the girls to be using phrases that aren't, I would say, totally mainstream. And they want to catchphrase them. The girls say basic about 150,000 oh, times. They go, basic. Yeah. And if anything bad happens, they go, that is so basic. Yeah. And, and if anything good happens, they're like, basic. And it's used as like a joke where they'll, like, they constantly are going back and forth, like doing shtick, where it's like, that's so basic. Oh my God, it is so it's basic. basic. It's so like, basic. <laughs> like, basic. Yeah. It's like literally every. And, and, and every one of their spiels ends with them both together looking at each other. Like, and my same, God, basic. basic. Like, and I, I want to say that, that in, good, in, sick, in real life, the two of them probably went back in their trailer every day and went, this is so fucking basic. <laughs> They're like, honestly, this is basic. This is a this movie whose regular plot device is the characters being completely unable to handle whenever they are not in access of their cell phone. Oh my God, the cell like phone the, use. The, the principal, whose if name you... is uh, Principal Invincible. Yeah, okay, so the principal <laughs> of their school is played by Sashir Zameda, who is a good SNL character for a couple of years. She's a right. good actress. Yeah. She shows up in this movie... Um, her name is Principal Invincible. She has my favorite line in the whole movie. She is in this movie, I shit you not, for 35 seconds. She says my favorite line, which is, uh, you guys, uh, should make a movie called 12 Years a Private School Student. Get it? I compared you guys to slavery, and that's weird, because I'm black. Oh my god, I cannot believe that that is actually a line from this movie. It's weird, because I'm black. Why is she named Principal Invincible? She's in the movie for 30 seconds. What is the pun? She has a, uh, her cell phone case says Principal Invincible on it. What is the fucking pun? It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) They don't even make a single joke about it. This movie, I feel, was Kevin Smith got really high and watched Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Right, I mean... This this reeks of a lot of movies like that. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. There's a video game aspect to it. There's a millennial yeah, aspect to it. The whole intro is every time a new character comes on, there's like so an 8-bit video game so overlay, he, yeah, just like in Scott thing. Pilgrim. Just where... like in Scott Pilgrim, there's the 8-bit music, there's the overlay. Here is the thing that is so troubling about it, okay? First of all, that overlay is written by Kevin Smith every single time. 100%. Um, it is completely out of step with how young people talk like right. everything in this movie and there's very subtle like kevin smith references if you like pause them yeah oh throughout. absolutely and there's 
I would there's say one where Justin Long comes on screen and it says like Walrus plus one. Right. There are references to other Kevin Smith movies in the True North trilogy. Um, there is an unbelievable amount of text on the screen every single time. <laughs> okay, so let me let me let me break it down for you. It's like the new character comes on the screen. Screen. You are trying to figure out who this fucking person is. You're hit first with 8-bit dialogue, 8-bit music yeah. ringing out. Then you're shown a screen that has facts, quotes, descriptions, things from this person written in video game font you don't all have to over describe the screen. It. Just, just think about Scott Pilgrim. What happens when a character comes on? It's that. Right. I mean, if you haven't seen that, uh, what I'm trying to say is that, I mean, they throw probably 18 paragraphs on screen. <laughs> the amount of time that that... Uh, card is up per character is less than three seconds, right. and well, that's what he wants. This, he wants you to pause it to be like, "Oh, look, huh, Kevin Smith know reference." How huh. self-serving it is to not only make such a shit movie, but to put things in it that someone would have to literally right. rewatch. How about to the fact that nothing about the plot has to do with video games? Nothing whatsoever. No, there's not. Uh, yeah, and it's not like the girls play video games. Okay, there's a line very late into the movie. I would say it, I think it's in the last five minutes of the movie where they make a Mario reference. They say, right. well, I think they killed the final bad guy, and they say, well, we stormed the castle and we saved the princess. Right. These girls have never played Mario. No, no chance. They've as as is Mario. shown repeatedly where they harp on how much they don't understand anything from the 80s. Right. Where, we'll get to it. There's, a, there's one scene that I think is hilarious in this movie is when they're discussing Batman. Oh, my God. I, I mean, it's, it's so obviously written by Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's the most Kevin Smith scene. Okay, but that, that's like a classic no, okay. Kevin Smith scene. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that is the funniest scene in the movie. I want to talk about that right yeah. now. Um, that is the funniest quote in the entire movie. It, like many things in this movie, makes absolutely no sense. It has no context <laughs> whatsoever. But I would say that uh, it was the funniest line in the entire movie. Um they're uh, talking to a character who's doing impressions of various celebrities. Which we need, we'll get to well, that. Well, we're going to get to that. But he does an impression I'm gonna, of I'm going to school you on some knowledge about that guy. I know who that guy is. Right. but And I'm going to school you on why that scene is fucking awful. Okay. Um, but uh, Ralph Garman, who's the actor, is doing all these impressions. He does an impression of Adam West Batman. My favorite part in the movie. I don't even want to play the clip because I right. think you, can, you and I can probably yeah. do it exactly how they do it um but uh so the colleens who are the two girls the main characters hear this adam west impression they go that's not what batman sounds like yeah. what does batman sound like he sounds like this he sounds like where's the trigger <laughs> where's the trigger where's the trigger and they milk this joker where's the trigger they do it for like 45 <laughs> seconds that is because it's hilarious yeah. um, <laughs> um, we're talking uh we're talking the dark night we're talking the scene where there's the two boats right and one of them has to pull the trigger and batman's like where's the trigger and, and, over and over and over and, and over johnny depp's absurd character is like no no he's talking about the uh the adam west batman <laughs> and they're like they're like no no batman's like oh where's the he's trigger like, oh where's the trigger you think, oh you, where's the trigger you think they're done go, like harping on oh this they joke. do it eight and times they milk it and i love it and it, it made me realize that it's somewhere deep inside there are jokes in this movie but they're just they're clawing <laughs> to get out that's the one that this worked movie the most could have been we'll get there it could have been a good movie it could have been there was there was there. a premise there that if they approached this as if it was like a uh you know one of those campy like parody type horror films right. where they know it's just goofy oh, well, i mean that is the core problem if this, this had been approached as something that wasn't like deliberately funny with a horror element if it had been approached as a campy horror right. film overall this could have been a hilarious premise and we could do the could have been thing in eight different directions or it's easier to just say this that this movie 
if it would have committed to any number of things, could have been a good movie. Right. If they committed to, okay, we're going to make a gremlin-style horror movie. Let's make it rated R. Okay? Let's make the creatures compelling. They did not. The creatures are the stupidest part of the entire movie. Right. Let's, um, you know, add some actual tension in because go and watch Gremlins and that movie is fucking terrifying at points. You know, especially if you're a child. Yeah. Because Kevin Smith, he wanted to make a movie that his daughter was in. He wanted to reach the youth. But he thought that just putting them in it, just having young people in his movie was going to be enough to do it. Right. That's not what Gremlins did. That's right. not what the Wonder Years did. That's not what the best things about kids, about culture, about coming up did. If they created I'm flabbergasted a... that the Wonder Years were its way. Well, no, I'm talking about coming of age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because no. many times in this movie, Kevin Smith is trying to make points through the Colleen's about coming of age. But he's and also trying to make something. points like as like a get-off-my-lawn old man. is like, look how yeah. silly that generation yeah. and, is. And guess what? By the end of the movie, neither of the Colleen's grows at all. There right. is no character arc oh, for yeah. either of them. You know, and usually in a romantic what they comedy... Want, their life goal is to be in a tabloid yeah. rag, and then because... I mean, their life goal is they, to literally look at their phone. Yeah, That's it. Because, That's all they care about. So the, the conclusion is that they end up in the tabloid rag because they killed this fucking beast... And that's like the big the big victory. But the movie. the movie starts with them already in the tabloids for killing the beast from the first movie. Right. Okay. So if their if their overall arc was let's become famous, that's already done. Right. And the movie starts with them being heroes. It says like heroes of Manitoba. Right. That they rescued uh, from the movie Tusk. There's this horrible. The movie Tusk is essentially about Justin Long's character being forcibly turned into a walrus <laughs> from a human yeah. being with horrifying surgeries. And that's a movie that sounds awful, but it's actually great. yeah. That's a movie. This with is a movie that sounds great source. and is awful. Yeah, because dude. So the, 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 does this movie sound great? So though? you know, the first it's the like first clerks. twenty minutes, I was like, this is the most fucking self congratulatory fucking yeah. clerk circle but jerk I mean, I've ever seen those first then, those it, first 20 minutes are the only redeemable part of the I, I disagree entirely I hated every second of it there it doesn't get better than that it goes in the there garbage can the moment where that. they first reveal that the conceit of the movie is that there's Nazi sausages attacking and putting them a, under siege that was so I, I was like I was like there is potential for this to go way over the top and wacky yeah, that if they if they push did. this as far as it could go this could be Super hilarious. Here's the problem with the antagonist of the film, which are referred to as Bratsies. Um, they are bratwurst sausage Nazis that um, end up in the Colleen store. See, when you say it, it's store. funny to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. This is the kind of thing that you that Kevin Smith like was stoned on the shitter and was it, like... No, it was on, on Smodcast. I know, and I listened thing. to the clip, but not they didn't go fully into every degree of this movie. Right. The, the thing on Smodcast that they put at the end of Yoga Hosers... Was them coming up with the phrase yoga hoser, right. which is hilarious. Whereas if you listen to the Tusk podcast, that movie is laid out. For yeah, the that is laid out. This it's was incredible. not. What was laid out before this movie in their podcast was the idea of the yoga hoser, which is absolutely hilarious, which is thinking about a yogi, thinking about someone who's obsessed with like what I would say is American Western yoga culture, right. but in Canada. Played by Justin Which is Long, hilarious. Hilariously. Um, that idea is funny, but that is not the central conceit. The central conceit of the movie is that underneath the convenience store that the Colleen's work at is a, a subterranean Nazi base that has created creatures called the Bratzies. Now, here is some of the issues with the Bratzies. Okay, let's get past the fact that their special effects are abhorrent. Right. The, the, the effects that they use to create these things 
are embarrassing on a technical level in ways that when I saw them first crush Abrazzi, I said to myself, I cannot believe this I, made it into a film. I, I don't feel that way. It looked for, like it was done on movie, MS for, Paint. For a movie that cost like $3 million to make, I, no. I think they were fine. I will tell you right now that if you gave those $3 million to a real dedicated horror visionary, a young director who knows how to do this kind of thing, $3 million can soar. Okay? Because horror doesn't need to be the visual. It right. can be the idea. Well, I think I'm I going to guarantee you something right now. I think they, they were supposed to be funny. The budget of this movie, I would say, is probably tantamount or more than Gremlins. More than some of the most classic horror movies that you may have in your mind. I mean, look at... I don't want to be like so redundant, but since we're talking about 90 mo- 90s movies anyway, look at The Blair Witch Project. The movie was okay. made for 10 cents. Okay. And let's, let's not... No, no, no. Let's, let's, because this is the point. Kevin Smith had the tools... To make what could have been a good movie, but that's what he did with Tusk. This wasn't supposed to be that. Okay, but this was supposed then to. Then why be, have this was supposed to, This was supposed to be funny. Why have? No, okay, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's not at all. That's the There's problem. not a single joke that lands in the entire no. movie besides well, the Batman. Besides the Batman thing, that was which hilarious. I think I had more fun doing with you than even watching. <laughs> but uh, but it's not funny. This, so and, what, and speaking of jokes, one of the early things, like, so you talk how it starts with like a clerk's premise. Yeah. Then there's like a brief time where it goes to like an '80s slapsticky type movie where well, there's like a lot of where there's like there's a guy in the background who keeps spitting up his soda every time. So, like yeah, he keeps I mean, he keeps spitting because they mention periods. Kevin like the one girl Smith, mentions a period, and the girl guy like spits soda because it's at no point are gross. in this film did Kevin Smith ever decide on what kind of comedy he was making. Right. The slapstick like Adam Brody's work. doing a drum solo in the, the beginning, shirtless, work. and then his character is totally irrelevant. Okay. Adam Brody is in a band with the Colleens, right? The movie starts with them playing. He's shirtless, covered in tattoos. Something that drives me absolutely insane in movies is is music inaccuracy. Something about um, when you Unless don't take Jeff the... Unless it's Jeff Bridges. Unless it's Jeff Bridges. Unless it's Jeff Bridges. Wild heart, wild heart. Um, if you don't take the time to think something out, for example, the opening song that the movie starts with has guitars has bass, has drums, has, has a full band, has <laughs> keys, has singing. And then they what's cut on screen? to... They cut, yeah, what's on screen is Adam Brody playing, playing drums, drums and the Colleen singing into a microphone. Right. There's no other instruments. They're not even really singing. They're kind of like doing like Well, they're yeah, lip singing. Yeah. First of all, not only is their singing terrible in this movie, yeah. but all of it's pre-recorded. Yeah. There's like none a, of it captured. They're doing like a Sklar Brothers type bit where they're like... It's so stupid, dude. I don't know who came up with the music for this movie. It's right. reprehensible. I don't know if we should even play a clip of it because that's like, you it's know, they say bad, like, um, if you don't want like a, a curse to spread, don't talk about <laughs> it. Like, if you don't want this fucking movie to live any longer, don't listen to any of the and songs from can, it. Can we rewind to talk about, so if someone approached you and said, hey, we're about to watch the new Kevin Smith joint that is about sausage Nazis terrorizing children... Starring uh, Adam Brody, Justin Long, Tony Hale, Natasha Lyonne, fucking a whole slew of just phenomenal actors. You'd be like, I'm fucking in. I'm bought in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And somehow, not a single moment is is even enjoyable. It's awful. I mean, it's an awful movie. It's an it's an awful horror movie. It's an awful comedy. Oh, and they did that thing where they where they really emphasize when they say the title of the movie. Oh my god! And the they first time it happens, Natasha Leone calls them yoga hoses. I'm like, She's oh, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, god dang, yoga 
Hosers yeah. copyright 2019. Yeah. And I was it was like, like it was like, thank God we got that out of the way. Yeah, and then they like, say it yeah. every subsequent scene for the next hour and a half. And it was never funny. They never made a single good pun. First of all, the yoga stuff. And every it. extraneous character calls them that. Even yeah, everyone Stan Lee's in the movie for yep. a second. He says As a police hosers. dispatcher, he can't even see them. He's talking to them on the phone and he calls them yoga hosers. Again, this is a phrase that was invented in a podcast <laughs> by two non-Canadians, okay, talking about Canada. And then you have an entire movie where everyone's saying yoga hosers. Like, it's something we should know. A, it makes no sense. Because in the podcast, they're talking about... Here's what's funny about yoga hosers in the podcast. They are talking about it because it makes no sense. They're saying it's funny because we don't know if anyone in Canada is a yogi. It would be silly to think about. They said, uh, I think one of the quotes was, uh, what are we, What are they going to burn? Tree bark patchouli? Right. That is funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thinking about the dichotomy between yoga and Canadian culture, right. hilarious. And there's, there's Not the moment once where in this movie. He's advising that the, like, the actual purpose of yoga is to like beat the shit out of people. Right. Which I, is like, okay. moderately funny. Okay, and this brings me into another Wait, issue. Which really just comes back to continuously, Justin Long is the only hilarious part of this movie. I didn't. I thought he was absolutely awful in really? this movie. Really? I love... I wish I wish to God I'd never seen this Justin movie. Justin Long but is the beyond best thing that, that's happened to the Kevin Smith universe in this decade. He is good in Tusk. He's absolutely terrible in this. Okay. And he's literally laughing at the camera the whole time because he knows how bad he's being. Oh, who knows? He says there's some cartoon character that I'm violating. I mean, how can you violate a cartoon? How can you own a cartoon, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like a thing that doesn't exist. Rude. It's like owning a leprechaun. Rude. rude. So rude. Okay, let's get back into it. Enough Saskatoon and <clears throat> let's get back into our Warrior One. Top two. Perfection, Colleen C. Namaste. Hold that pose, Colleen M. Hold it. Warrior Two. Namaste. Come and get me now, you serenity stealers. He, he doesn't even take himself seriously in this movie. I'm not even going to entertain that he does a good you job. You know what? In this movie. The funniest thing Justin Long ever did is. Is Not his, this. His, his, his character Not fucking in this, Zach but... and Mary make a porno. Yeah, okay. And I just want to take a brief moment to say that that movie is one of the best movies. That movie Kevin is Smith fucking hysterical. And I would take that film over most of the back catalog of Kevin Smith's work. Because I think that once Kevin Smith stepped out of the View Askew universe and started kind of taking risks, Zack and Mary make a porno is, is one of those risky movies because... While it is a hilarious comedy, while a girl does shit all over someone in this movie, while it is gross and totally over the line... And total classic Kevin Smith. That movie has heart. Yeah. That movie has very compelling lead characters. And there's that one scene where the Pixies are playing and everything's like, it's panning around, like panning through that whole... It's fucking... The movie's got good moments. moments. It's sad. It's also a good commentary on what people in their 30s have to resort to in this day and age because it's hard to find the right career. It's hard. And you can feel Smith kind of searching for things. This is like, this movie is just like total autopilot. And I think what is most insulting about it is this, is that you have a director who is committing himself to interesting ideas, who had done Red State, who had done Tusk, who had set himself up for a low-budget trilogy where he could express things that he had never done before. And instead, he took his second time at bat, which, by the way, Tusk was not a good first time at bat, got critically panned and made absolutely no money. I enjoyed it. Right. Um, But, and I know you did too, but that movie didn't do anything for him. So you'd think that he would draw back and say, what can I do to bring my fans back? Right. What can I do to... 
to say something artistically while, yes, congratulating myself, but also respecting my fans. And to make a PG-13 movie with two central actors that couldn't act worth a shit, sing worth a shit, make a joke worth a shit. And all side characters who are fantastic actors who are literally in the movie either for 10 seconds or are hampered by awful dialogue. Right. to, to do that, I mean, it feels misguided. It feels, and I know Kevin Smith has said this in interviews, that people stopped him during Yoga Hosers. His wife, people around him and said, what the fuck are you doing? And he said, I'm doing this for my kid, man. I want to act with my kid, man. Yeah. Isn't it great, man? I'm acting with my right. kid. No, it's not great. Right. Because we believe in you as an artist and you took a fucking dump yeah. on us. And you're not a director who's had a clean slate. You're not a director who's made perfect choices, nor should any director make perfect choices. But if you're going to go out on a limb, right. you just made a movie about a suicidal religious cult. Right, you right. just made a movie about a man who was forcibly transformed into a monster with surgery. Right. And you're going to follow it up with something that I don't with, think teen with, girls would with like. Clerks on Ice. If you're a teen girl, you don't like this movie because no. I don't think that either of the Colleen's are acting. It's completely condescending. Yeah, I mean, it makes millennials look awful. Yeah. It makes his kids look like brats. Which, by the way, one thing I wanted to bring up is that both of these kids, Johnny Johnny Depp's daughter and Kevin Smith's daughter, were raised in Hollywood. Right. And it reeks of it. Yeah, neither they of don't them are even like, slightly likable. When you watch Clerks, you look at Dante and you go, "That guy could work in a convenience right. store." You look at you Randall, Randall and you say, and like, that's the yeah. guy who sold me videotapes. Right. You look at the Colleen's and you see nothing. Right. These are not girls that would exist in Canada. These are not girls that would exist in America even because they are the elite. These are girls that you would see at Coachella. These are girls that you would see at the red carpet event of the Avengers. These are not normal people. Right. So here's, here's one of several ways you could have fixed this movie. Okay, We're going to talk about ways that you could have fixed this like, movie. I feel like we should save that for the end of us talking about yoga right? well it can kind of go throughout because i mean we've touched on the fact that it could have been a better horror movie yeah. I, That's feel, for I feel sure. like you've done a perfect segue into like my main thesis of this because I, I i texted you earlier being like there's no way we didn't come to the same conclusion and you just touched upon it which to me this movie reeks of a midlife crisis right like, i mean this is pre-heart attack like this this is like when he needed the amount of like wink wink nudge nudge I have fans. You all love what I did previously. It's like, so Kevin f- shits on Zack and Mary all the time. He hates it because fucking... Which is bonkers. He constantly says that was him just trying to copy Judd Apatow. And Which he it, was, yeah, but it was good. It, it was a good copy. And then, you know, everyone panned Tusk and Red State didn't really make any money for the most part. And he was like, you know what? Here's my chance. Oh, well, this is at, this is also right after he retired from filmmaking. And was like, I'm done. I quit the movie business. He went on a whole press tour being like, I'm quitting because the critics are annoying. And fucking... And then he came back and he was like, you know what? How am I going to win them all back? I'm going to reference everything I did to death because that worked in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was a fucking like love letter to the entire Viewers universe. Whereas this movie is trying to reference a universe that it doesn't exist within. There is literally a moment where Harley Quinn Smith is holding a hockey stick in the air and yells, I'm not even supposed to be here okay, today, that is, and looks that, right into the fucking camera. That is the moment where this movie truly hit the garbage pile. The, the, in their yoga studio, they are chanting, Yoga Fett! Yoga Fett! Yeah, I mean, and Kevin's jokes, like, hey, I'm the Star Wars guy, remember? These are jokes written literally by Kevin Smith, uh, but at the same time... 
the Colleens don't seem like the kind of girls that would be making the joke Yoga Fet. Right. And here is what, and I, I'm going to go into one of my million different ways you could have made a better movie here, but one of them is just that these girls are from L.A., they're spoiled, they're delusional. Why not make a movie about that? Why not make these girls closer to what really is appealing? And I know he couldn't do it because this is a trilogy and yeah, he had all this but, stuff built up. But if you're going to make a movie about these two girls, it should have been from the point of view that he really sees them from. Right. He doesn't see them uh, as these cool, texty, like, arts. He sees them as, like, probably as spoiled millennial millennials. Yeah. And, and that's he how he treats them He could have exploited that in such smarter ways. Right. Whereas instead... You see him give the reins to the girls and say, "You girls do whatever you want. Yeah. People are going to find you compelling." Him. Yeah, Daddy loves you. And the and the bottom line is, I feel like this is a movie where Kevin Smith watches it and says, "I love this movie," right. and everyone else hates it. Right. I mean, how could anyone like this movie? There's nothing to connect to. Let's talk this, about some things that we do like about it. Can we say I, some positive? I, I liked about it? that the first scene was an homage to Clerks. The first shot. Right. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, that's neat that he did that. For sure, they won't harp on this. I do like in the first scene where the Colleen's are going, they put a sign on the door of the convenience store that they work at. Right. uh, That says, what does it say? Uh, Like, we're having our periods right now. We can't be at the register. And when they let everybody back in, they look at them and they go, can we do it at the same time? Do you know what what I'm going to say? When they're letting people back in, they go... Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I almost um, laughed. And, I, oh wait, and, I went like this. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the people that walks in in that moment is Kevin Smith's mom, I noticed. Yes. Who is in Clerks 1. Sorry is, about is, that. Is the woman who is checking all the milk expiration dates. Mm-hmm. And in Clerks 2, you might remember as the woman who's checking all the milk expiration I, dates. I have kind of like a fleeting memory of and Clerks And in the, Clerks 2 is phenomenal. Hard use of the word phenomenal, but I did enjoy it. I saw Clerks 2 in the theater four times. That's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> this So this whole intro scene with Clerks, if any other director made this, I would be like, oh, that's a very nice homage to do to someone you're a fan of. You're not supposed to do a fucking homage to yourself. Yeah, to yourself. This intro scene would be like if at the apex of Inglorious Bastards... Hitler turned right to the camera and was like, get mine wallet. It says bad motherfucker on it. Yeah, like, if Hitler turned to the camera and was like, I'm going to walk the earth <laughs> like Kane. Um, yeah. Um, this movie is like, is Kevin Smith uh, removing a rib to give himself a blowjob. We need to talk about the, the antagonist, Ralph Garman. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how familiar you are with the Kevin Smith podcast universe. Which is a thing, Look, somehow. Ralph Garman, I think, is a fantastic impressionist. He does impressions basically day in, day out with Kevin Smith on the Hollywood Babylon podcast. To put him in a movie where he is doing those impressions impressions that he does on the podcast. Every episode starts with him doing the fucking Al Pacino um, thing. I, I truly, that is where I truly wanted to kill myself. I was so fucking, like... Because he's one what? of those people. It's the most pandering, fucking like insulting thing I've ever he's seen. He's one movie, of those dude. people in the Kevin Smith universe, kind of like the guy from Fat Man on Batman, Mark Bernardin, right. where you know that they're more talented in ways right. than Kevin Smith, but Kevin Smith doesn't always want to throw them a bone. Right, right. And in this, 
it was amazing because when Ralph Garman shows up as the antagonist who's a Nazi general living underground underneath a Canadian convenience store. As, like, store. the descendant of the kid from The Sixth Sense. Right, okay. Right. Haley Joel yeah, Osment Haley is Joel in it for Osment a second. is a Nazi, which, again, if you handed me this on paper right. and said, do you want to see a movie right. where Haley Joel Osment is a Canadian Nazi recruiter, I'd say, yeah. take and all he, of my fucking he, money. He yells that we need to eliminate all Jews. And yeah. the same guy from earlier who spit out his soda about the period blood is like... <laughs> Does it again? Yeah, in a different time. Yeah, era. <laughs> totally different. They time have line. a guy doing a spit take in two different yeah, times. It's in black and white and shit. No, no, no. The second one, okay, he's a Nazi, or no, he's a Jew. Right. That has right. Payas he's got like payas and, like, and yeah. everything. Yeah. And he spit. He does the spit take and then slowly de-Jews himself. He takes his yarmulke off and combs his hair. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Ralph Garman they brought in, uh, I think that he could have made a very compelling Nazi. If he was yeah. just the Nazi general, he would be a fantastic right. character, and he was. And then once he starts doing impressions, like right. you have, now you're watching a movie where a guy, let's say you've never seen a Kevin Smith thing ever before, the main antagonist of your film is a Nazi general living under a Canadian convenience store who has an army of sausage Hitlers. and he's Played by Kevin Smith. Played by Kevin Smith. We're going to get to that <laughs> as a coda here, but played by Kevin Smith, um, and he is doing impressions of celebrities. Right. But what, what you guys just, what the fuck yeah. am I watching? What That's you guys have to realize, Dan touched upon it, but not everyone. So Hollywood Babylon is Kevin's weekly podcast where they discuss Hollywood news. It's been going on since I was in college. I used to listen to it to go to bed, so that's, it's been going on since at least 2010, because I believe I was listening to it my sophomore year. Um, and every ep- So Ralph Garman got famous for, for being like a wacky Z-Morning Zoo type guy on like the Los Angeles K-Rock. And you, right. w- you would also know him from Family Guy. He does a ton of voices on Family Guy. Um, he's the co-host. And basically, he starts every episode by reading fan letters of them asking him to essentially do Al Pacino and Adam West impressions. And, like, I'm not exaggerating. This this show has been going on for nine years at this point. Uh-huh. And every episode starts with Ralph Garman doing an Al Pacino impression, doing an, uh, an Adam West impression, doing a Clint Eastwood impression, doing all these impressions. It's, like, the staple of the show, and he, people eat it up. And I used to listen to it, but I was just like, wow, this is literally the same thing every week. And it's about 40 minutes of the podcast. It's just him doing these impressions. And this there is an, the entire climax of this movie is Ralph Garman in a Nazi general uniform doing, doing those impressions. Yeah. Like, the, the fucking catchphrase so of cheap. Hollywood Babylon is Ralph Garman going, hua, making fun of Al Pacino yeah. in fucking Dog Day and Serpico. Like, yeah. And this movie is, like, the terrifying antagonist. The, the conceit is that his accent is too German, so, like, it's too creepy, so instead he's going to speak as Al Pacino because he likes movies a lot, and it's just... So stupid. It's, it's just so him. forced. Yeah. It feels awful. It's literally Kevin being like, oh, how can I get my buddy Ralph in? The Babylon listeners just, will love this. Yeah. And I mean, we don't, we do, because yeah, we listen no to does. it. No one appreciated it. Um, to touch on what we were just about to talk about in terms of the the real bad guys of the movie are the Baratzis, which are these little <laughs> Nazi sausages that are played by Kevin Smith. Again, you tell me, movie with Baratzis played by Kevin Smith? No, I don't I'm like, on board. No, I'm, I'm, on board. I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Because A, Kevin Smith is not an actor. Whoa! B, B, he's incredibly polarizing to put into a film as a creature. It's time to film. it's time to drop. It's time to no, drop not, a word. I'm not. I won't do it because Kevin Smith is not an actor. All right, not, and and he just uh, and just to prove it. 
uh, he just came out with a new pilot for a show called High Life. Ho- or Hollyweed? Hollyweed. He's awful. Yeah, it's garbage. He's absolutely awful. Okay. He's not an actor. You know, so want to know what he's good in? Nothing. Uh, Southland Tales? No, we're not doing that. Southland it, Tales is awful. We're it is awful, but he's phenomenal in it. I don't even remember him being in it. Yeah, that's because he's all in prosthetics and he's a fucking crippled veteran in a wheelchair. Oh and he looks like an old man. Well, next week, guys, um, Southland Tales. You know what else he's good in? The Jennifer Garner farce, Catch and Release. I don't ever want to hear you say Jennifer Garner <laughs> farce ever again. Um, so here's an interesting fact. I'm just going to give you a little fact here. Jason Mewes, who is Jay of Jay and Silent Producer Bob, of this movie. Was originally supposed to play all of the monsters in the film. Due to his claustrophobia... Oh yeah, I remember that character. That was Kevin That's Smith. That's Kevin Smith. Oh my god. Due to his claustrophobia, he couldn't make it even through the makeup tests that required heavy prosthetics and full body costumes. Haley Joel Osment was offered the role next, which by the way... If Haley Joel Osment was the Bratsy, sign me up. And we talk about how awesome this hot Haley Joel Osment sort of career resurgence is. Oh, yeah. Where he's just in Kevin Smith's, like, shit pet project. Oh, no, he's been in tons of things recently. Has he? He's been in a lot of comedies. He was in um, this really hilarious comedy that Will Ferrell and um, Kristen Wiig did called, what was it, When the Wind Blows? When the... It was like a, a melodramatic... Um, Soap opera that he was the star of. Anyway, Haley Joel Osment has made a career comeback. He's also very large. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's gained many, yeah. many pounds he's, since he's, being. He doesn't uh, look good. He doesn't no, look he's healthy. Not he's great. balding. Yeah, he's not I looking love great. It. He looks like me. Um. So, uh, <laughs> so Jay Muse was originally supposed to play the character. He had claustrophobia, uh, so he couldn't do it. Writer uh, and director Kevin Smith ended up playing the monsters himself. Um, I think he's hilarious as it, he's. To be I would say he's the single most worst part of the movie. Every really? time he opens his mouth and says, Wunderbar, I want to die. <laughs> Every time he says, Fraulein, I want to die. It is Kevin very Smith on the nose ruined, with the culture. <laughs> ruined the movie by putting himself in it. This would be like, let me, let, me, let me put it in reference for you, Dan. This would be like if you went to go see Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> and the bad guy of the movie was Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> dressed as a bird going, cheap a cheap Cheep, cheep, I'm a bird, I'm a bird. If you think that Kevin Smith was a legitimately good part of this movie, you are deluded, okay? Because let me tell you what the best part of this movie I was. think, I don't think that he's a good part of oh, this movie. Oh, he takes away from it. He I, ruined it. I think he ruined what could have... His existence in this movie perfectly encapsulates what this movie is. Yeah, which is and just, that's bad. It's just a dude who has the Hollywood clout to get funding to do he whatever he fucking wants. He didn't, and he almost bankrupted his entire company right, right. making this movie. right. So he doesn't but, have that. <laughs> there are a hundred directors I could name that could do what we're talking about right. He's not one of them. Man. We've got wieners. Check over there. Seriously? He needs to shut his mouth and and make good work. And he knows that when he does that, he makes good work. He's now directing Supergirl. He's inspired right. by that. He does his the, directing he does the flash, work. Yeah, his directing does. work where he does not open his mouth obviously inspires him. This he wasn't even supposed to be in it, and they shoved him right. in. Him saying German phrases, which I'm going to play right now over in the background because. But that's hundreds that's and all thousands from, of that's times. That's all shit from Smodcast, is that? I don't care because it's not. It, this is not a movie that starts by saying based on a podcast but, but by Kevin it's Smith. It's no different. It's no different than every single Canadian character being like a boot. Ha ha ha. Yeah, but none of them are played by the director and writer of the movie. Right, but like you know, it's it's indulgent. If you, did, if you didn't know that, would you care? Yes. 
Because I'll tell you another thing. To make this movie better, if you wanted to make it better, you could have made it a horror movie. And to do that, you could have had a compelling antagonist. And to create that, all you need is claymation. Uh, The movie The Gate. The movie Gremlins. These are movies that did not have a tremendous special effects budget but they made and i want to i want to shout out loopy man and dead last podcast they did a whole episode on this topic called little guys where there are movies that are about little creatures that run amok um uh toy master uh, puppet masters one of them there's lots of movies where you have creature like little creatures that like you know cut and maim and are scary this was like they were trying to reach for that right but the movie's pg-13 every time one of these brotsies is crushed it's yellow what was that it's sauerkraut, sauerkraut. Yeah, they're filled with sauerkraut. It was I didn't, I didn't, nuclear yellow. There was no it was moment not rendered even this, for a moment. There was, was no not moment where I computer. thought this was trying to be a horror movie. It's based... Why not, though? The first movie in the trilogy was a horror movie. This one, plot on paper, if I were to take all the jokes out and told you straight up, this is about Nazi monsters creating an underground lab that try to kill two girls and try to take over a town. That's the... That's Even if it was a comedy... That could have been a horror comedy, it, it, yeah, it and it's not. Been. But I mean, the second that the movie starts with these two teenage just still could have been a horror. awful girls still, with video game look at, overlays. Look at, look at Shaun of the Dead. You have two basically stoners, two losers that have a special friendship that are connected in ways that are emotionally uh, satisfiable and are are quantifiable as you watch it. And you watch that relationship play out. It doesn't matter that it's zombies. It could have been gremlins. It could have been right. monsters. It could have been the plague. Whereas this movie had such a specific MacGuffin that made absolutely no sense <laughs> based on a podcast that literally no one listens to except for Kevin Smith whoa, fans. Whoa, whoa. Except well, for yeah, Kevin Smith right. fans. Yeah, but there's and a lot so of those. The, this movie started by having no way of reaching an outside audience. I'll make it known that I've been to a live recording of Smodcast. Most of Kevin Smith's movies already are not made for outsiders. This right. one is an inside is joke, inside of an inside joke made by an idiot. Yeah, it's it's awful. Um I would say the only thing that I enjoy about this movie is the highlight, I think, of Also Tusk. And I know this is probably going to be a hot take for you. I don't know what you think about it. I think that this is one of the funniest and best Johnny Depp performances in a long time. Because Johnny Depp, he said this himself in interviews, the reason that he is in this movie and in Tusk is because he loves the character of Guy Lapointe, who, by the way... Johnny Depp is in both this and Tusk as a investigator, bumbling. He's very... um, uh, Clouseau, he's very yeah. like uh, yeah, Pink he, Panther. He, he's total Pink pan, Panther. Yeah. And his reveal in Tusk is fucking it's hilarious. unbelievable. Yeah. Because it happens like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie, and he's so heavily done in prosthetics where you're sitting there being like, those eyes look familiar. And I don't know about you, but like, I didn't realize it was Johnny Depp right away. I didn't do any research about Tusk. And I was like, holy shit, is that fucking Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp, I think, not only does a fantastic accent, as we know, if there's one thing you can say about Johnny Depp, he does do a very committed, interesting accents he, and characters. He's very, he's very, uh, he's very like, Chevy Chase-like in this movie with his, like, eye movements. It's, he's it's very, very funny. Yeah, it's very, like, Every... homage to, like, just, I mean, Pink Panther is, like... Not the Steve Martin Pink Panther, by the way. Fuck that garbage. No, but it's a very, it's we a very be careful. We're gonna end up that. watching that movie because I've never seen it. But uh, yo, don't don't you fucking make me. Don't you fucking love me, Ricky Bobby. Uh, so uh, I think that he's very good in it. Uh, I think he's very funny and compelling. Every single scene that he's in it. They move his moles, his moles. to then, a different part the, of his face, which is a scene, good There's gag. like seven of them. There's like, yeah, they keep growing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at one point, they have it in the middle of his eyes, like in, like an Indian person. Like yeah. it's absurd. And he, um, he is incredible. He, play, I've never seen him like it's it's like uh what, what's his 
it's like a Jack Sparrow level of commitment to the character too. It's so fucking. Yes, you can tell like, that he's on the only set one he was who probably doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say that like honestly, like he treats this movie like the artist that he is. Honestly, if you want anything from this movie, uh, I would say the top things are to glaze, uh, to to gaze at the gloriousness of Harley Quinn Smith, who I think is going to grow into a beautiful woman. Um, and I'm probably gonna get arrested for saying that. And then I think the second thing she's 18. to enjoy about it is uh, Johnny Depp, who I think. Is in on the joke, even though no one's making a joke because Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Smith didn't even understand the Entirely joke he was making. Earnest. I would argue that the film would be funnier if it was literally all about Guy Lepont. Right. Um, imagine the movie starting with Guy Lepont after his investigation of the Tusk incident, moving on to investigating these spoiled, stupid, bratty girls. Yeah. Okay, and he's the only and one who has, deal with them. He's the only one who has good jokes. He's too. the only common sense character. His too. jokes are hilarious. He's the only person seeing in reality, right. even though he is the biggest cartoon character he's, in the movie. Exactly, he's shitting on all the characters all the time. Um, so Johnny Depp really, I would say, brought a, a, a level to this movie that made me realize that, yeah, there are a few ways to make this movie better. And we're just casually mentioning Johnny Depp. I feel like it's worth, like, really exploring the fact that we are talking about a Kevin Smith direct-to-streaming services film about Nazi sausages starring Johnny Depp. Yeah. The bad news is, regrettably, some naughty student has decided to deface it by... Changing the word "gi" and adding an "a" so that it says a "gay." <laughs> and also, they added a set of testicles right under my nose. You see that? You see that? <laughs> With the kind of you know awful pokey hair that I don't know why sticking out of them. You can, you can put it down now. Oh, okay. Haters have got to hate like the douches have to douche. Johnny Depp. American and he's cinema legends. And still this movie for me is a zero. <laughs> yeah. I will give this movie a zero out of ten. This movie is worse zero. than The Man with Golden Gun. Oh, 100%. I say that This as, movie is a punishment. I say that as someone with a Jersey Girl hat. Yeah. That I yeah. hate this movie. Yeah. And it made me feel it. feelings. And this, and this movie was Kevin trying to make a love letter to his fans and be like, look, I still got it, right? And it's like, dude, it, it, this made this makes me fearful about reboot, like James on Bob reboot. It doesn't for me, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that after Kevin Smith had his heart attack, which, by the way, Kevin Smith had a massive heart attack and he almost died, I think that it refocused his perspective. And I'd like to give him one more shot with James on Bob reboot. From everything that he's talked about it, it's really the emotional payoff of a lot of things that he's done. I would like to still think that this was not a serious movie for him, that he went right. into this saying, I want to make something funny to laugh about with my daughter. I can't imagine she thinks this movie is funny. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone in this movie enjoys it except for Kevin Smith. I laughing like Bart Simpson. It's awful. I mean, this movie is... <sighs> this movie's harrowing trash. Zero out of ten. Yeah. I'm gonna, here's another fact about this movie. Kevin Smith uh, reported on his Facebook page and various podcasts that the MPAA gave the film originally an R-rated rating. Um, uh, in its first submission, even though Smith had aimed for a PG-13. Why? Let me tell you why. One scene. The MPAA's reasoning was apparently, I don't know if you even remember this, the cartoonish drawing of a pair of testicles on a man's chin in a photo. That was pretty funny. Sure. Whose picture was it? I don't don't Uh, remember. Was it Johnny Depp? Uh, No. No. 
no, it was a picture of... I had made a note about that, too, and then I... Look, it was a picture of someone that someone drew testicles as the chin. It was hilarious and very graphic. Right. And by hilarious, I mean not funny at all. I don't think I laughed once this entire movie. But, you know, the fucking uh, movie 43 already exists, where the entire... Where there's real testicles on the chin. There's a whole fucking... Get a few Jackman with balls on his chin. I want to be a hundred percent sincere. Can you plagiarize yourself? I want to be a hundred percent sincere here when I say, please watch movie forty three before you watch this movie. Don't watch that piece of shit. I mean, this is this is irreparable. This is not worse. This is not worse than movie forty three. I would rather watch movie forty three for its variety, even the only just because there's a different scene because it's vulgar. Ooh, we are comparing the bottom of the barrel here, guys. Um, so anyway, he he submitted it. Do you think that this movie was like what happened? Because like. Kevin wrote Clerks three, and everyone was everyone who read it was coming out on Twitter, being like, "This is the best script Kevin ever wrote. Yeah. This is gonna be incredible." And then Jeff Anderson refused to fucking do it. Right. And it's like Kevin's like, "Well, fuck I, it. I, I, I gotta garbage. put someone behind that counter." I'll give you garbage then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he when uh, I know we've already talked about this, but when Harley Quinn Smith says, "I'm not even supposed to be here today," and it's like the apex of the action scene. Too. I groaned and held my entire I, body I, I, in pain. <laughs> I went like this. Let me just do it one time for the audience. Oh! Yeah. It's like, you know, when there's like those YouTube videos where someone will try to do like Tarantino in four minutes and it's like a couple college dudes just saying the N-word a lot just to really like really exaggerate the caricatures of his filmmaking style. That is what Kevin managed to do about himself. Mm. She looks right at them and yells. Yeah. Oh wait, and there's another God. moment too. Wait, there's another moment in Is the first there scene even... where uh, where she goes. Uh, fuck, I deleted it. In the one of the first scenes, um, she goes. Someone asks her how they like their job at the convenience store, and she goes, "It sucks because of the customers." I'm like, really? That line is fucking from oh, Clerks. God. Oh, I have in my notes. Harley Quinn give me, quoting, give me your nicotine thing. Quoting clerks is the low point of my entire life. I have written in my notes. Um, uh, I'm just going to mention just a couple more things. Actually, real quick, do you want to give me your rating for this movie, Dan, out of 10? I really, really don't. Um, well, I will get. I will get. It. I will. All right. So, I mean, I feel like we should do it the same way we've done. In all past episodes, on a scale yeah, of... Yeah, on a scale of Kevin on a Smith scale, movies. On a scale of Clerks to Cop Out, yeah. this is far worse than Cop Out. Yeah. This is... This is the worst movie Kevin Smith This is not made. even the worst movie he's ever written or directed. This is the worst movie he's been involved in. Yeah, this reeks of everything that is... That, this is... This um, movie is what people who hate Kevin Smith, which are not me and you... Is this off? Which are not me and you. People who hate, who hate Kevin Smith, this is the kind of thing... That they would point to. Right. And it sucks that he had to give his haters fuel yeah. to hate him. This is a person... This who, isn't doing anyone any favors. This is a favors. person who produced goodwill hunting. Yeah, I mean, this is this is, a this is the low point of his who, at Where he thought his career was over, came back and made the ballsiest movie of his career in fucking Red State. And got the best performances out of Michael Parks ever in fucking Tusk. And then proceeded to... You know, he's the director. He can call for another take if right. the performances are bad. And they were. And he is so fucking just circle jerk in love with his daughter yeah, that she's like basic. She's, she's awful. looking at the fucking camera. They're and both they're, 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 like, That's a wrap. You nailed it, Harley. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll tell you my favorite moment of the entire movie. I wanted you to make the vape work, by the way. 
I know. Well, too bad. All right. Um, I uh, my favorite point in this entire movie. A kid goes into the store, uh, and the Colleens are behind the counter, and whatever happens in their conversation, this kid gives the Colleens the middle finger, right? right? And Colleen turns to Colleen and says the most meta thing in the movie, which I agreed 100% with. She looks uh, at Colleen after getting the finger thrown in her face and says, that kid rules more of that and less of everything else ever. Wow. And that sums up how I feel about this movie. I had a whole other <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about, but I, I feel like that's the perfect ending, so we can just ignore it. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I feel like for me... We should touch about part of the fact where it seems like they're about to fuck these kids, and it turns out they're Satan worshippers. Oh, God, we could do... Which, no, which okay. I thought was going to be an We're entire B-plot involving Satan worshippers. Real quick, because I think this will transition into my final thought of this movie, which was refuted by you earlier, but I'm going to just bring back one more time. So there's a, one huge part of this movie that I'm going to go through in one second, is that... They're just like in any kind of romantic coming of age comedy with two girls in high school. The plot revolves around the two Colleen's being invited to a grade 12 party. Now, they talk about this party endlessly. They talk about what they're going to wear and what they're going to do, and they're so excited for it. And their parents are so excited. It's actually a funny joke where she goes, Where should I kiss him tonight? And she goes, she goes, only on the lips. And she goes, no, like, where where in the plate? Like, where in the store? <laughs> she was going to kiss him on the dick. Oh, God. I was like, there's that classic Kevin yeah, Smith dick Yeah, there's humor. Kevin Smith writing about his daughter. His daughter Felicio. kissing a dick. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> uh, uh, God, I don't even remember what I was going to say. You were making your grand thesis, and I interrupted it for a dick joke. Uh, yes, my grand thesis is that these kids are inviting them to a grade 12 party, and you find out that there is no grade 12 party, that these kids are actually serial killers. Right. They wanna, they're, they're Satanists. Satanists. They want to kill the Colleens and sacrifice them. They are quickly dispatched by the Bratsies, which then leads to the Bratsies. <laughs> they crawl plot. up their asses. They crawl up their asses. We're not, it doesn't even matter how they die, but it's disgusting and stupid and the effects are awful. Um, but uh, the long story short is here is once again, I would say the fifth time you could have made a good movie. I want you to imagine for one second, okay? Take the Baratzis out, take Canada out, do whatever you want with this movie. Uh, I see a movie where Kevin Smith casts these two girls as in Hollywood, California, spoiled, completely up their own asses, obsessed with their cell phone millennials, just like they're portrayed in this movie, but not to any statement about it whatsoever. This could have been a statement about these girls are so pinheaded that they don't see what's coming. And what's coming is they are being preyed upon by two guys that are satanists right. that are actually trying to kill them right and imagine a movie kind of like red state or kind of like tusk where these two spoiled girls who think they know everything and they're posting online about here's what we're doing tonight it's right, so right, basic right. and blah 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 actually the last half of the movie is them being tortured to fucking death by these satanists right. and about johnny depp once again he could be playing Guy Lapointe coming in and saving these girls from a harrowing right. horror situation. That is two, one of two ways this movie could have been a horror right. movie. The other way being if you take Kevin Smith out of it and make the creatures compelling and make a throwback homage to the 80s, which this movie was desperately trying to right, do right. multiple times, even though neither of these girls were alive in that decade, right. they, <laughs> you could have made a awesome throwback to Gremlins, something that these girls could have been proud of, something that Kevin Smith could have been proud of on a threadbare budget, I mean, you had incredible people in this movie that you could have used. Kevin Conroy is in this movie, which I thought was incredible, yeah. who is the voice of Batman from right. Batman the Animated Series. 
and he I've never seen him on film in an actual movie. He could have been a bad guy. He could have been Ralph Garman's character for right. all I care. Take Ralph Garman out of the fucking movie. Take every podcast reference out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Take every single Canada reference out of the movie and just make it a imagine Fargo as the setting because it's right. in Canada. Totally desolate, two girls obsessed with themselves uh, on a long, lonely night at the convenience store being uh, preyed upon by two guys that turn out to be killers or preyed upon by these creatures that are left over from a Nazi experiment that drill through your body, that cut you up and maim you. But you don't have that. You have PG-13 garbage. You have self-serving nonsense. You have Nazi jokes that don't land. You have Canada jokes that don't make sense. The yoga makes absolutely no sense. The jokes about yoga are obviously made you by a tell, morbidly you, obese man who's you never can done tell yoga. It's just like his daughter does yoga. And yeah, he, and he doesn't understand right. it. So he's trying to make jokes about it, and you can tell that they don't think it's funny because they probably really do yoga in real life and right. are like, Dad, you they don't know like, what the fuck you're talking about, fuck. you fat idiot. Um... Alright, so uh, welcome so, to the Movie yeah. Blues podcast where we highly recommend Yoga Hoses. Yeah. Had it been Had entirely it been different movie. in character, tone, it could have been a horror movie. Plot, it wasn't. Setting. It could have been a different horror if movie. If only it, it had changed been those a minor things, we would have been fine. Could have been a rated you know, R coming you know of age comedy. Could, was not. You know what tone I felt this could have tackled what? or taken? Do you ever see uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil? Yeah, could have been that. That movie Genius. works in every level. And again, like Tucker and Dale. And you could have had two clues main character. Who's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that Dan, there's there's probably ten ways you could have made this movie better. He failed on all of them, and let's hope he pulls his shit together for Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Because as of now, Yoga Hosers for me is a zero as a Kevin Smith film and a zero as a film yeah. over time. This is true trash, not true north. And thank you for listening. We are going to head now to our final segment. We have another segment of the day, uh, which Dan is dreading uh, because we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> but um, we are going to really quick watch the new trailer for Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, fuck, I forgot we're doing this. Which Dan has never seen. Uh, so this is kind of a mix between Dan's never seen and some other. The fun important stuff. aspect of this is that I don't watch Star Wars trailers. Um, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan. You know I'm a big Star Wars fan. I mean, and you purposefully go out of your way to not watch Yeah, I'm the one trailer? of those people. I never watch the trailers. Okay, well, um, but then we I'm should have do, some I'm, interesting thoughts yeah, here. So, because I don't want to, I don't want to have expectations. Right. Um, I mean, but let's put it this way: I'd say the last movie probably destroyed enough of your love for the, the series that maybe we've, we've expectations been, don't matter we've anymore. Been through this. I, I enjoyed the last Jedi, Jedi far more than I liked Force Awakens. I fucking hated Force oh Awakens. Oh my god. Okay. Well, in a minute we are going to talk about uh, the trailer. Rogue One is. For, uh, yeah, Rogue One is the best of, of the new Star Beautiful Wars Beautiful fucking tits. Beautiful tits. Uh, we were doing a little joke last time I want to keep up on where we were doing like, blah, 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 baby. And I, th- I want to do more <laughs> of that. Rogue One, baby. <laughs> oh, you've never seen Rogue One? Come on, Rogue One, baby. Baby. Hey, baby. All right. Anyway. There's right. a black stormtrooper. We're going to go watch this fucking trailer. We'll be right back. know 
Um, Star Wars is something that's very important to me. You know that. I think to and, both of us. Um, yeah, and um, that is the first Star Wars trailer I've ever seen in my life. Like I, for I, a new movie. No, in general. So like you avoid every, anytime there's a trailer, you've avoided. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm that person. I, I like to go because in because totally you want to go fresh. in totally. I, fresh. I don't read anything about the plot. Okay. Um, I went into Force Awakens knowing nothing about it. Did not know that I was about to watch a remake of A New Hope. You did not know that Harrison Ford was going to be in it. And... You know, I've, I I knew that I, I'd see on Facebook some I posts did, that To be fair, like, I also did not know that it was going to be basically a beat for beat of New Hope. I don't think anybody did. Right. Even the trailers for that film did not, other than the desert setting, really intimate that it was going to be basically New Hope all over again. Yeah. You um, know, that, that trailer, I... Um, so we just watched the trailer. Yeah. Um, Dan never saw it. Um, I've seen it now a few times. It made um, me feel exactly the same way I feel about this entire trilogy, which is just nothing. I feel nothing. Interesting. I'm just, I'm so, i just so apathetic about these characters. I mm. couldn't care less what happens. And are you also, talking about, are you talking about the older characters or really Ray Finn, Poe Dameron? I'm talking, I'm talking about the new characters, but even... Are you connecting even, with even, any? Even, are you connecting with any of it? I, you know, I enjoyed... Harrison Ford being in right, the first too. one but a it bit, wasn't very but like you know, then they had to like make it totally echo the scene in fucking Empire. So like, right, it did. Um, yeah. You're talking about the the walkway where he, yeah, I, I, he I, dies, I should probably not like, just assume Han that Solo dies. Seen every yeah, if you Spoiler haven't seen alert, Force Awakens, um, uh, for uh, Harrison Ford finally got what he wanted from after the first movie and got himself killed. Yeah, so. Spoiler alert. Um, I was trying to think of like a go-to spoiler. Uh, spoiler: They get he gets out of jail at the end of Shawshank. Spoiler alert: The killer was the one-armed man. Right, I right. Think that's that that sort of yeah. So, um, I just I just don't give a shit, man. Like, right. Where it's me, like you let me, know. Let me put it. Oh, from... wait, my my first complaint is that it's coming out on Christmas, whereas all the previous ones came out right. out on my birthday, which was fucking lit. Now here is why that happened: is because <sighs> a few things. First of all, the director of this film was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow. Right. Who is the writer director of Jurassic World and a couple and other he movies? He dropped that didn't work. out. He dropped out because, and this is how Hollywood works sometimes, and especially how Jurassic World. That's like, is that the Chris Pratt one? Yes, I haven't seen that. The first Chris Pratt, love it. You know what? I, I, I like love Jurassic Park three. Me too. Huh. Um, I loved Jurassic World. Now it, rewatching it a million times is not going to work, even as much as Jurassic Park two or three. But um. I think Colin Trevorrow did a really good job of rebooting that series, um, and I think that he had a shot of, of making maybe a compelling entry. Has he done anything else that I would know? Here's what happened: right. is that uh, no, he hasn't. So he made a like, film. How does a new? How does a green filmmaker get Jurassic Park? Here's how it works, right. okay? And this is how it works in Hollywood today. Period. And this is all because of Marvel. Okay. What Marvel did to the film industry is essentially say, if you are a young director who has got the smarts to make something unique. We don't care if you've never made a film uh, with a thousand spaceships in it before because you understand something human. We'll give you millions of dollars and go make right. something. And so it's, here, the movies some, are made by committee anyway. Yeah, they can here, handle but the special effects. Yeah, here are some quick examples. Like Taika Waititi is a perfect example. Okay. He had only made movies in New Zealand. The movies he made were fantastic. What We Do in the Shadows, like we mentioned at the beginning of the yeah. pod, Fantastic yeah. comedy. Then Hilarious. he did a movie called Hunt for the Wilder People okay. with Sam Neill in it. And it's one of the best Sam Neill performances. Again, talking about Jurassic Park. Right. One of the best Sam Neill performances up there with In the Mouth of Madness and Event Horizon in terms of his career. Um, he was absolutely 
great in that movie. And so Marvel made a precedent of taking directors who made a little tiny project and then giving them the keys to the kingdom. Right. Okay, Colin Trevorrow made this movie. Um, I don't remember the name. Uh, I think Aubrey Plaza was in it. It was about time travel. It was made for like $2 million. It was a very compelling, good comedy sci-fi movie. Okay. Very low budget. Had some great heady ideas in it. Not and Primer. Not Primer. <laughs> no, dude, not Primer. Aubrey Plaza would have been like... one day on this podcast... Yeah, should we talk about Primer? We're going to get to my favorite uh, time travel movie of all time um, called Time Crimes. But we're not okay. there yet. But I'm going to absolutely make you watch I'm that. I'm definitely going to go watch Primer tonight. I haven't watched that shit in a um, minute. Everyone watch Primer, Primer is a instead good, of Yoga yeah. Hosers. Primer is a good math equation to watch. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Primer is memento, it's no time but instead of interesting characters, it's two characters talking a whole bunch. Yes. Completely. Star Wars. Um. So anyway, um, uh, Colin Trevorrow is going to make this movie, and um, he then made a movie called The Book of Henry after, okay. yeah. um, and the after Jurassic World, the Book of Henry was about like a disformed child. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. Uh, it was panned. It was that, actually that considered like one of those real fucking. Just it was like, actually considered one of the most insensitive, awful movies of amazing. all time. That looked like one of those like Oscar bait movies. Oh my god, maybe we should watch that Book of Henry. Uh, Dan's have never seen. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, fuck it. I mean, it's not like I've enjoyed any of so the things we've watched so far. We might as well continue. Yeah, I mean that movie. Tra- I'm I'm dreaming of the day where we expect to hate a movie and come back right. and we're like, I fucking love it. It might happen. It could always I mean, that's what I expected. I mean, I really enjoyed That's what happened with Rogue One after Force Awakens. I enjoyed 007 quite a bit, but for the wrong reasons. I hated every second of 007. Um, I would have rather watched Mafia with Jay Moore. So, so, um, yeah, uh, Colin Trevorrow was all set to make this movie, and Kathleen Kennedy, who is the same person that fired um, the the directors off of Han Solo um, at the last minute. I forgot the Han Solo movie existed. It did. I saw that shit in the theaters and I forgot. I hated Talk it. Talk about a forgettable fucking movie. It was so dark. Like, again, I couldn't even see the screen. I, I didn't hate it either. I just felt nothing. It was just, we left. Yeah, that was that very... movie ended. I got up and I walked out. I didn't say a word about it to who I was with. I was like, that was a movie that I witnessed. It was a flat line for me. What a fucking that dude who played Han. I did was just love that they. The worst. I did love that they dug Darth Maul out of his grave, but only from a complete. That, that was. Only from a complete pornographic nerd and perspective. I want to make it clear that I'm not one of these like fucking like uh, originalist like f- only the original trilogy matters. No, like, oh, well, that doesn't even those people barely exist. I, in I will period. spend an entire podcast talking about why Phantom Menace is a great movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the point with these new Star Wars movies where I've gone back to the prequels and been like, "Fuck, yeah, these are good." Yeah, I want to hear about the fucking. Tax um, wars in Phantom. Land. I thought that um, Force Awakens. Now let me let me set it up this way too: is that J.J. Abrams is not everyone's favorite director, but he is definitely one of my favorite. The man who made Cloverfield, the cinematic yes. masterpiece that I is love, Cloverfield. I absolutely love Cloverfield. Not the cinematic masterpiece that is Cloverfield Two. I also love that movie. Do you? Yeah. All right. Cool. I own it. Do you? Yeah. This is a movie that came out for free on Netflix. And uh, they actually put out on DVD and I own. And I could go into that. And I've actually argued with quite a few people. Shout out Luke B. Mand again. I think him and I almost, our entire friendship almost went in the dumpster at one point over the Cloverfield Paradox. So let's not go too Wait, far into that. I'm getting good. Oh, you're is, thinking is, is, about John Goodman, Cloverfield too. I'm talking about the Cloverfield Paradox, which is actually right. the direct sequel to what the What is the John Goodman one called? That is called 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is where, the most tacked where, on Where movie there's ever. like a plague... 
And, no, there's aliens. And they're, well, you don't know there's aliens till the last shot. Until the last shot. Right, well, that, the last 20 yeah, minutes. That's what I'm talking so about. They, it's 10 Cloverfield. They went in, and once they made that a Cloverfield movie, they went in. I watched in that on your sh- recommendation. Yeah, I mean, that movie's like, I enjoy that movie more than I enjoy a Transformers movie. I'm I enjoy that, that we... movie more than I enjoy Yoga Hosers, but <laughs> if you compare it to other stuff, I mean, here, and, and I want to get back. I'm glad that we got uh, I John get back Goodman the... back into this situation. Yeah, th- welcome to John Goodman cast. Um, I want to get back into the, my kind of thesis here, which is that yeah, we have 12 I love J.J. Abrams, and that J.J. Abrams has created some of my favorite movies and, and media Lost. of all time, Lost being chief among them. Yeah. I'm, I'm pro J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams, I think his Star Trek reboot is one of the great sci-fi movies of our age. Honestly, the 2009 Star Trek movie is one of the finest action films, one of the finest sci-fi films So of I our said generation. I never saw a Star Trek movie. I totally saw half of the 2009 Star Trek yeah. film on my buddy's HD DVD player. Uh, okay. And But I was so young and so yeah. high, I don't remember thinking about it. I remember want to retry enjoying it. it. It's fantastic. Um, and that's My uncle the, told me not to watch it. That's the kind Trek of thing Paris. that got him, uh, Force Awakens. I think that all of the creative energy that J.J. was going to put into a Star Wars movie, he put into that Star Trek film. Okay. And the sense of adventure, the sense of character that made... The original trilogy of Star Wars so compelling, you feel that in Star Trek 2009. If you can watch the first 10 minutes of Star Trek 2009 and not well up with tears at what happens in the first 5 to 10 minutes of that movie, it is one of the most engaging opens. I mean, J.J. Abrams is is king of the cold opens. Lost is... The first 10 minutes of Lost will leave you breathless. And the first 10 minutes of Star Trek 2009 will leave you breathless. And I think that when you get to Force Awakens... He had been drained a little bit and put under a corporate eye where J.J. Abrams had made a career out of creating his own mystery boxes, creating his own ideas that were totally original IPs, and then banking in on them. And this uh, Star Wars... That's felt, intellectual property for y'all it, at home. It felt like he was tired when he got to Force Awakens. And then I think that that's why he lobbed it over the plate a little bit and made it a little bit like New Hope and gave that's basically generous. gave it something for he thought everyone to enjoy but it ended up feeling like a movie that to me was trying to please too many people and pleased next to no one and even though that movie was was loved i think that the impact of it has lessened mostly because of last jedi which is i i would say one of the greatest top-down disasters in film history wait which one the last jedi and we could do it uh, hours on that but did you know that he co-wrote armageddon who? J.J. Abrams? Yeah. 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 He co-wrote Armageddon. His first, uh, his first screenwriting credit was something also really bizarre. Uh, I can't remember what it was. He's written a bunch of weird stuff. He wrote Felicity. He created Felicity. That I know. Uh, and um, he's been all over the place. Um, but uh, here's what I want to say. And he made my favorite shitty Mission Impossible movie, Ghost Protocol. He didn't direct that. No, but he fucking... He produced yeah. all the latter ones after three, but yeah. Bad Robot produced all the ones. I love Super Eight. Super Eight's fire. I, I absolutely love Super Eight. I cannot understand the people that hate that show are the same people that two years later uh, went insane over Stranger Things, which right. to me is the exact same thing. Right. Um, I think that Super Eight did that concept beautifully. That's exactly how I feel. Um, the Literally the, exactly the, how I feel. the guy who did the music for Super 8, Michael Giacchino is my favorite current living composer. He did all the Star Treks. He's done lots of the recent Star Wars. He did Rogue One. Um, he did the movie Up uh, for right. Pixar, which had a fantastic score. 
Um, I think that J.J. Abrams works with the best of the best. I think that he got overwhelmed with Force Awakens, and I want to think that he's going to find his footing in this one. I want to think that he probably did not like what happened in the last Star Wars movie and wants to do a subtle reaction to that. So is he that. directing this? Oh, yeah. So they brought him in after Trevorrow was out with six months before the movie started production. And he overhauled the script. He overhauled every major aspect of it. He's extremely good friends with Lawrence Kasdan. Um, and has had lots of ties with George Lucas um, that have come back for this movie. George Lucas has input on this movie. This is the first Disney... I don't know that that's a good thing. This is the... No, well, we'll see. This is the first Disney Star Wars movie to have any input whatsoever from George. George Lucas has input, had input on the Star Wars Christmas special. That's true. But you're also talking about the the inventor. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... If you look George at, Lucas had input on Attack of the Clones. If you look at Edison, right? Edison created the light bulb, but he fucked up about 300,000 other things. But what do people remember Edison right, for? Right, right. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, I... They, look, George, for George Lucas... criticized in the prestige. George Lucas created economical filmmaking, created the first modern blockbuster, created sci-fi fantasy almost from the ground up in terms of popularizing it. I mean, I can credit we, the we guy We could spend a whole podcast talking about Star Wars. What do you think yeah. of the trailer? I think that I'm... More excited for this um, than the average Disney Star Wars movie. I think that the inclusion of Palpatine, while it seems ham-fisted, his laugh in there, it also seems to point to that they are going to be creating an overarching villain to all nine of these movies. Right. Um, which Ryan Johnson threw into the garbage by destroying Snoke as a character. I think what you're going to find is happening in this new movie is that uh, you'll find out that the real puppet master behind all of this has been Palpatine all along, and maybe Darth Plagueis is involved. Maybe um, we didn't know who Snoke really was, and there's going to be some retconning, right, I right, think, right. that J.J. is going to undo. But I'm all for it because, A, I trust J.J. Abrams. B, I love Lando Calrissian, and he's yeah, actually yeah. in the fucking movie. I feel that. Um, all the other characters are pretty much dead at this point, so I'm not really expecting many original series people, so it would be good to have Lando there, especially on the not, heels of Solo. we're not down with uh, Donald Glover, which I... Fine. I was down with Donald Glover. Okay. I just thought they did very weird things with his character in that movie. They made him like pansexual and bizarre, which I don't mind if you're not pansexual. I, I feel, I feel but like it's totally in line well, with. They intimated uh, that he was banging a robot, and that robot became the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, and what and and that is ridiculous. And I just watched a movie about Nazi hot dogs, <laughs> and that is and that is somehow more ridiculous. What did, what did you think about the trailer, though? I mean, in terms of, I like, mean, how you feel about The Last Jedi and where we're going to take it from You here. know, the trailer was a typical teaser trailer where it was like, here's a small scattering of Star Wars imagery. Um, you know? Right. We saw that, The like, music swell is right yeah, when it needs right, to be, right, just like The Force Awakens a trailer. slow motion flip. I thought that was cool. like, pretty though, cool. Though, I have like, seen an internet meme, so I can't take credit for this, where someone edited in... Because that's Kylo Ren, obviously, coming right, after her. Right. Someone edited the scene where right as she's about to do the backflip, Kylo Ren just shoots her with the lasers on the ship. And that's she just explodes. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's funny. I just, I, it's, it's what I was saying. I just, I don't care about these characters at all the way. It's like, I, I, I can so vividly remember being a kid and my uncle, same guy, the Star Trek dude. Right. Um, for, I want to say, my sixth birthday gave me the vhs set of the original trilogy right and i watched them all front to back and by the time i got to jedi i was like i fucking care i care what happens here yeah and you know we could i could put I on what, what's, this, what's this one called ray and oh god we haven't even talked about that either i, I it, this it's is like the, the one thing it's that... like the skywalker parable or something yeah. <laughs> like, 
the let's do uh let's do some fake titles i would do uh the skywalker ultimatum what do you got do you got one uh fuck that the skywalker, skywalker paradox parable. is fine yeah I, I said parable which is a reference um, to uh, the stanley parable uh 10 skywalker lane <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last Skywalker. Yeah, I, I think I feel I feel like that's enough. We, We're good. Yeah, you're we, good on yeah, it. I'm good on this. Bit. I think I have some uh, good ones uh, in there. What, what else you got? Fucking, I got uh, too fast, too Skywalker. Mm. It's a that's a th- callback. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't land. Skywalker's list. <laughs> and we're back, baby. Shinda's list jokes, baby. Oh, we're doing man. the baby thing again. Um, even though it's basic. Yeah, I got I got um pretty much nothing vanilla skywalker Ooh, yeah i kind of like that all right. that's like well, a, that that took me for a serious left turn yeah I that's got, for I sure i got one all right let's move um, on um, killed it. It, it, it it's 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 the same thing you know i i watched that and i felt nothing which yeah. in at this time that's in my life, really the ultimate that, issue seeing a star wars anything and yeah. feeling nothing upsets me like the new yeah. star wars game trailer came out and i was like fuck yeah i'm on yeah. board the, the I, fact that I, there's a Star Wars movie coming I, out the week after my birthday, and I'm like, yeah, you're not even thinking I, about I'm, it. I'm like, by the time I get home, I'm going to have forgotten about that trailer. If Finn, Ray, and the guy from Girls, if they all die yeah. in the first scene, it won't make a difference. <laughs> it, I really won't care. Like, if they die in the first scene, it will not like, make a difference. If the whole movie becomes about fucking uh, CGI, super old Carrie Fisher in that trailer, yeah. by the way, which was super weird. They. They CGI'd her and aged her. Dude, she... I I think that's just what she looks like. She just looks like shit. I mean, it's what she looks like now. Well, she's dead now. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I get it. You know? No, they... they, All of her stuff in this movie, they have uh, retaken from other sources and resourced and... They all took her deleted scenes from the Blues Brothers. Apparently, she did not shoot very much for this movie, and yet she was integral. And this leads me to literally the stupidest part of The Last Jedi is you had an opportunity... To gracefully kill her off, right? Because she died she in real life. In fucking space. And, and if you watch the Last Jedi, she has no bearing on the rest of the film other than Luke visiting with her and giving her the dice. Which, right. if you think about it, didn't really happen anyway because right. he was a Force ghost or right. whatever. Right. The bottom line is that they had an out and they gave that out away. And now poor J.J. Abrams has to. What What I think is why I'm going to root for this movie is because. J.J. Abrams has to pick up the pieces from what I think is one of the worst film sequels of all time. And I want to see if it's even humanly possible to pull out of the tailspin that The Last Jedi right. put the Star Wars franchise in. I'm, I'm torn between how like my instinct is to have faith in J.J. Abrams and the yeah. fact that I, I mean, wa- that doesn't always and, work and the either. fact that I just watched Yoga Hosers made by my favorite comedy director, Kevin Smith. <laughs> sure. And the fact that I've seen The Force Awakens which is yeah. far more than the last Jedi. Like I left the force awakens pissed. That's like, really interesting. And I think maybe that that deserves a greater discussion because I didn't leave it as mad as you, but I left very flat and just, just confused. I was, I just didn't feel much from it. And it was I, the same fucking masturbatory. Like, Hey, star Wars, right? Yeah. Yeah. It had everything. They and, were like, people are going to come anyway. And that's the kind of stuff where you go back and look at Phantom Menace and go, you know, Phantom Menace, not everything worked, but man, were they trying some different stuff. I fucking stuff. love the Phantom Menace. They were trying if, all sorts of if stuff. If they were, like, a little bit 
less long-winded with all the exposition in that movie. Yeah. The plot of Phantom Menace is amazing. Yeah. It's the only one of the entire movies that goes into the fucking political it, infrastructure that causes uh, all this fucking chaos. Okay, that's not the part of the movie I don't think anyone likes, but <laughs> <laughs> if you liked it, man, God God bless you. And I think I think also what's interesting is now that there are three full Star Wars trilogies, there's the original trilogy, there's the shit Disney trilogy, and... Uh, you know the prequels the second movie of the first uh, trilogy empire obviously was the greatest of all star wars right. movies but then you have I'm episode glad you, I'm, I'm glad you have the correct opinion yeah and then you have episode two um attack of the clones which is i think far and away the worst far and away the worst until i saw last jedi i, I actually, still think it's worse i would rather watch um Attack of the Clones, I'll tell you why. Because there are certain moments in Attack of the Clones that are better than anything in Last Jedi. When Yoda drops his cane, it's game over. Attack of the Clones came out when I was like 12. Yeah. Oh, I was front line for that I movie. was of the age where no movies were bad. Oh, no. That movie And I left that movie yeah. like crying. I hated it. Like, I hated it. Like ready to fucking commit harikari. Um, and then I think Last Jedi was uh, maybe the worst of all the Star Wars movies ever and I think derailed the franchise. And, and a lot of people like to say that because they fired uh, Phil Lord and Miller from uh, Solo that that is what caused that film to fail and for them to cut off they were doing all the Star Wars stories. Right. After Solo they did not do that again because the returns were not strong enough. Uh, right. Box office Whereas wise. I'm sitting here fucking beating my own dick waiting for the Boba Fett movie. That'll never happen. Right. Because they're never supposed, doing it. was supposed Well to that's happen. been turned now into the Mandalorian yeah. which is the TV show I was John literally Favreau. gonna fucking go in my yeah, but, Chewbacca room and yeah. beat my dick to a pulp to that fucking yeah. it, it Boba Fett movie. It, the reason that movie wouldn't work is he's never was a character in the first place and then it's they... the tr- only positive thing of the entire fucking Attack of the Clones movie. I would agree with you if I didn't hate the actor that plays both Django and Boba. I think Don't take awful. him out of his mask. I don't care. When he's like, yeah, Dad, get him! Yeah, that's show, the one, Dad! Me, give me two hours... <laughs> Filmed like fucking. He's, you know who should have played uh, Boba Fett in that movie is the guy from Fantasy Island. <laughs> Nick Nick. Give me two hours shot like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, fucking of Boba Fett just fucking shit up. Yeah. Like Rogue One was a. They were like, hey, Star Wars could be a war movie. I think I would rather have a Western influenced Obi Wan Kenobi on Tatooine movie than a Boba Fett one just because I, I just don't want to see a, Boba Fett and I don't want to see a out. third character playing fucking Obi Wan Kenobi can I just do a little more come on dad get him <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right. right dad we're um, in two hours let's, let's, let's we're talk two about hours. let's talk about next week we're gonna wrap it up next week wait wait um, so what do you on a scale on a scale of Empire to uh, to Attack of the Clones what do you I give the Star Wars you trailer you know I told you that we were gonna do numerical originally and you're, everything has its own category but I'm saying zero. This trailer, zero to ten. Yeah, the trailer. I here's where I would rate the trailer. I would say I am more excited than Last Jedi. I would say I'm equal with Force Awakens because I see a lot of promise. I see a lot of things that I like, and I think that what? If, Tell me one thing that you see promise in in that trailer. Nothing fucking happened. Ton, tons. Wreckage of the Death Star. I thought was a cool visual. Um, I thought that you know the we idea... haven't had enough of is wreckage of the Death Star. Yeah, well, you know this this is the movie series we're in. What yeah. do you want? What do I want? I want. Fucking, only I want be... them to make Revenge of the Sith again. That, that was, shit was. That was a good movie. Pretty damn good. 
I it's a good movie. Revenge of the Sith. It's a good movie. Better than any of these. Makes my voice movies. get all high like that. Um, next week uh, or next episode. I don't know if we'll be shooting next week, but we'll, we'll <laughs> see. Um, uh, I think we, we're gonna have next like next week. We're gonna shoot at the shooting range and then record. Yeah, next week uh, we might do one of two things, and I think we're gonna leave it as a surprise up until the episode. We're either going to uh, recommend good movies to each other, which we're going to give each other from our DVD collection. No, we're going to do that right now. Oh, I don't have any, so we're going to have to wait. Oh, fuck. It can't be just you giving me gifts. It's weird. And, and again, I, mean, I may have seen all three of them that are in your bag, and then go, it's going to get weird. Go pick one. We don't do things like that in post, unless right. they're argument-based. All right. Um, but uh, uh, Dan's very excited and now very offended that I haven't looked at his DVD selection for me. We made a fucking plan. I know, but I don't have them in front of me, man. I didn't pick one out, but it's going to be what is one of the movies we talked about you didn't want to watch uh, today. Just pick any of them, <laughs> and we'll watch one of them. Um, no, it's supposed to be a good movie. Um, so either we're going to make each other watch good movies next week, because we've punished ourselves enough. Because we've done Dan's Have Never Seen, so yeah. we're going to do... We're going to do Dan's Have Never Seen, each, good edition. Each Dan has never seen each one. Dan we're going to from our own... to see. We have a wide breadth of DVDs at our disposal. Dan should see. Um, yeah. And we're either going to do that, or if there's a good movie in theaters, we're going to go together and go see it and uh, talk about it live on the pod. We're going to record it at the theater. We're going to record it at the do theater. Do a live it's gonna be like, commentary track. And now Thanos is getting destroyed. Okay, hold on. Okay, Ant-Man is going up his butthole. We're going to go, and they're going to play that Star Wars trailer. I'm going to walk out before the podcast yeah. starts. Dan just left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening again. Someone's shooting made up it. the theater. If you made it all the way through this journey, uh, you know that there's going to be more. And I think today got a little saucier than last time. What do you think the chances are that there's more listens through to the end of this two-hour podcast than the previous one? I feel like there's like, you know, um, that was that initial hype of, of, of a new thing. Well, How many people do you think sat at us talking about yoga hosers? Well, uh, some people went out and actually saw yoga hosers. So if that's possible, I'm sure someone can listen to this whole podcast. <laughs> If we could sit through the actual movie, someone could sit through us talking. Yeah, but we only sat through it because it was like homework. Yeah, well, if I turned that movie on and didn't have to talk about it, hopefully, one of our listeners out there will be as passionate about our podcast as we are about our homework. The second I saw Adam Brody of Grind Fame in uh, playing the drums, I'm I'm trying to wrap up here, and you're going back to Grind. (laughs) Yo. I'm doing... This is my nighttime ending. All right. Welcome to Grindcast. Welcome to Grindcast. What do you think of the movie Grind? The skateboarding movie? Uh, It's no Brink. The f... Yo. All right. You know what? Next week, Brink. I'm aware of the Disney movie Brink. Grind is a comedic (laughs) masterpiece. All right. That's it. We're ending on Grind's a masterpiece. Love you guys. Bye. That's what I should have brought. Welcome to the bonus track. Yeah, I want to make this totally clear that Dan brought DVDs to, to give me here, and he's very upset. He needs me to see them, and I want to see them too. Right. So the the theory was that I don't know if the movie I picked Dan hadn't seen before. Yeah, he's not sure. We're trying to find movies that we haven't each seen from our collection right. here. So, so Dan we're brought trying his... to find one that one of us has seen, which is even somehow trickier. Okay. What um, do we got? So... I'm just going to start with one, and okay. if you haven't seen it, then I'm going to save the rest for... Oh, shit. For okay, for wow. That's a ton That's a ton of pressure. I almost want to lie. All right, go ahead. All right. So we are going to start... Um, 
only because it's relevant to this week's episode, mm-hmm. with my absolute favorite romantic comedy of all time. Oh my god. I so don't... you can watch it with Rachel. Okay. Going the Distance. Going the Distance. Oh my god, you're going to make me watch this fucking movie? Have you seen this? With Drew Barrymore and Justin Long. You're going to love it. And if you don't, holy shit! What is this piece of shit? Oh my god! You said okay. You said that this exercise was going to be you giving me a good movie, and you're giving me Going the Distance, (laughs) starring Jason Sudeikis, Drew Barrymore, and Justin Long. My favorite romantic comedy of all time. Okay. Oh my god. Just you wait till next week when you. Next week, everyone oh listen in to Dan falling in love with Jason Sudeikis and Drew Barrymore. Now, I mean, this makes me want to give you a terrible movie. Okay, but that wouldn't be fair because that's a great movie. What is the what's the RT score on this great on this great movie? Is there a consensus ah, we I'll got? Check, I'll check it out right now. Why don't you go ahead and check that? Because this is uh, you know, this is, this is a great movie. Sexy and seriously funny says Jeff Craig from Sixty Second. It's got a fifty three percent. It's got a fifty three percent. Okay. okay. Do you base your opinions based on what the critics say? No, but this is supposed to be a good movie. Do you... Aaron? Summer fling in New York City, but neither expects it to last. First of all, I hate romantic comedies. Do so... you're just under all circumstances? Oh, yeah. So that you're... You don't you're, think this is something you'd like to watch with Rachel? You're playing a hard battle. No, we hate this kind of shit. We like, like, Star Wars and Star Trek and, like, nerdy shit. This movie? Lasers and hysterical. monsters. Okay. We're going to give it a shot. Do you want me to give you a different one? No. No, this is the point of the podcast. Because right. if I fucking hate this movie, we are going to talk about it. Right. This is that, but I, I might mean, like it. I mean, I when, like when it. we initially conceptualized this and we... How did you end up seeing this? That's a great question, actually. How, so, how did you end up owning this? <laughs> so, that that's further evidence for me. So, um, I used to hang out with uh, my friends Rick and Pauline all the time. And Shout we, out. They, they, yeah, they would go out and... They're not listening. They'd go out... Pauline, and, baby! They'd, <laughs> baby! <laughs> they'd go We're out, not stopping with the baby th- stuff. They'd go out and rent movies. Um, and we had just gotten back from, like, summer fish tour. And we were all super shot out, as one is. And we sent them on, like, are you... You know, we would always finish by doing, like, a movie day. And they went out to Hollywood or to Blockbuster or whatever the fuck it was at that time. And they came back with this movie going the distance. And everyone was fucking pissed. This is upset. Everyone man. was... So living. I'm pissed. Dude, if you can and see, we, we watch. Oh, ah, I've told my story. Do you see Jason Sudeikis' <laughs> face? Because that is the face I'm making disgusted. right now. Christina Applegate's in it as well. Um, wait, wait a minute. I think I've seen this movie. And we came back. Okay. They came back and we were all really upset that this is the movie they chose. And we all watched and we fell in love with it. Oh my fucking And God. I bought it and Kat and I have watched it several times. Okay. And it's just delightful. It's okay. whimsical. I'm going to watch this with my wife and if she has a problem with this movie, she's going to tell you all about it. On so the when we when that'd be great. When we initially conceptualized this, we had talked about recommending movies to each other that we thought there was a chance the other one would hate. And I thought this felt this fell in perfectly. But your bit for the skit is pick a good movie because that I haven't I seen. I firmly believe this is a good movie. Oh for God's sakes. All right. Well, that you know that's the point. I am someone who hates romantic comedies and think this movie is hilarious. Okay. I'm going to go get one for you real quick. Okay. Let's take a pause. Okay, so I've accepted my fate. I'm going to watch Going the Distance. It's good. And I'm going to go in totally... Fr- I'm going to... Be open-minded. I'm going to be very open-minded. I mean, I guess taking into consideration, I'm a huge fan of Justin Long. <sighs> Fuck. Okay. Was he not the Mac commercial guy? Yeah, he was. Cool. I'm a huge fan of Mac commercials. Um, 
This would be my number one, at least, that I could find. Have you seen this movie? This is Ravenous, starring Guy Pearce. Oh, God. One of the best movies from the 1990s, period, hands down. All right, well. Incredible Perfect, because I fucking hate David Arquette. He's like, he's a non-character. Except. He's like a drug addict. He's a heroin or an opium addict. I do like uh, Ready to Rumble or whatever. Then you're going to love this, bud. (laughs) No, this is a good movie. A recipe for nonstop action. So I hate action movies, so this is perfect. Mm, This is horror dark comedy. Cool. I'm going to watch it. Um, The next option I was going to give you is Taxidermia, which let me tell you would have ruined your life, but maybe we'll get there someday. Yeah, no. I'm ready for Taxidermia. All right. So next week, uh, folks. Should we do two of them so we can record two podcasts next time? Oh, God. Are you going to give me Going the Distance too? No. Then uh, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's do it so we can fucking knock them out so I don't have to see you everybody. Oh, God. Okay. I'll, All give right. you, I'll give you something more in earnest this time. Okay. Do you want something mellow or, you know what? Just drop it on me, brother. All right. We're going to do, uh, we're going to do Bellflower. Have I seen this? Okay, see, like, this is more what I'm talking about here, man. Rumbling, asphalt treading. Ride with flamethrowers, Bellflower. Never seen it, and I look forward to it. It's a movie that I try to talk to about with people, and no one's ever seen it. I think it's great. Excellent. Yeah, that oh, is. That's what I'm talking about. Cool. I tried to bring a little bit of everything. Yes. <laughs> I actually saved my favorite of the three, so there's still a third, a surprise for mm, next time. Next time. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. All right.